Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 37, presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm here with Frankie Mueller, who just got back from New Orleans. And I'm here with Joey Parisi, who put on the exact same hat as Frankie, but in Boston Bruins. Joseph, how you doing, brother? Brother? I'm good. I'm good, brother. Um, I did put on this hat, uh, and you went to get your hat, but where the hell is it? This is probably my favorite Bruins hat that I have. It just fits perfect. We talk about these hats all the time. This is the the draft hat, and I think it's pretty fitting that we all got our teams here. Yeah, this is my favorite hat that Adidas has ever made for the National Hockey League. They made it for all 31 teams at the time. I believe I have – you see Frankie rocking the Chicago Blackhawks version of it. The Devils and Hawks one is very similar because their socks are similar, and they got their socks on the side. But the logo on the front, very crisp. Frankie just randomly disappeared right before I was about to talk to him. But I believe he's going to get his Vegas Golden Knights one. I also have a Minnesota Wild one, Joe. I don't know if you have a second one. But no, I don't. First of all, before we get going, Frank, how are you doing, pal? Good. It's good to be back. I feel like it's been forever. It's been forever. I was thinking the same thing. It's been forever since the three of us were on the show. Because mm-hmm. two weeks ago, I was gone. Last week, you were gone. And now here we are. It's like a little family yeah. reunion. Literally. I, I'm clearly the only one committed to this job 100% because I'm the one who never goes missing. Just kidding. Frank, I hope you had a blast in Louisiana. And we're happy to have you back, Joe. Also, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Frank, Frank, say hello to the people, Frank. How's it going? I just want to fill, fill everybody in on Louisiana. It yeah, was, how was your trip? Well, give us a little, uh, little snippet. A New good Orleans, story. it's a very unique city, right? It's a very party at night type of city, relaxed during the day. So, like Bourbon Street's the main street in New Orleans, right? And we were walking by it in, during the day. We we're going to Cafe Du Monde. That's where we got beignets from. And you have to walk past Bourbon Street to get to Cafe Du Monde, and we walked past it and we're, they're like, Paula, as you may know, salmon person who created, gave us the salmon sandwiches. For the so love of salmon sandwiches. In the chat or anybody who's watching. Um, well, she's like, where's Bourbon Street? I'm like, we just passed it like two blocks ago. She's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah. Like, you cannot tell the difference. Like, 
during the day. It's that much different night and day, huh? But at night, Bourbon Street's like blocked off. You can't fit in. There's no cars going down there. People are just walking down it, drinking alcohol in their hands. They're, the doors to like every building's open, like just wide open. You don't have to open it. Like everything's crazy loud. People are throwing beads off balconies. Yeah, that happens every like just every, every night. Every night. I thought this was only what's what's Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Yeah. Mardi Gras is like a bigger version of But like that shit just goes on every Saturday night. I thought that was like just, just a Mardi any Gras. Night. Could be a Wednesday oh. night. Oh, I didn't tonight, know. Tonight it's gonna be crazy in Burbank. See, I was wondering if Mardi Gras was going on right now. No, no Mardi Gras like leads Mardi, into right? Mardi Gras leads into Lent. Yeah. That's what it is. Huh. It's like it's not it like leads into Lent. Like Fat Tuesday is a part of like Mardi Gras. Also, I didn't know this that the Superdome is now the Caesars Superdome. Yeah. Not the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And you know the Smoothie King Arena, which is yeah. where the Pelicans play. Did you know they're like connected to each other? I did like, not know that. You could th- there's a bridge connecting the two arenas. So That's like, amazing. You could go to a, the Superdome, and then if you're going to catch a Pelicans game late at night, you literally walk across the bridge. I'm pretty sure they, like, share parking lot. It's That's crazy. awesome. What, the way you're describing um, Bourbon Street to me, I've never been to New Orleans, but I've been to Nashville. And Nashville is very similar in terms of Broadway, is, like, the main strip street of Nashville. And, like, every single door open, bars, mm-hmm. bands in every single place. You can only hear the music playing in each bar. It's, like you know, the honky tonk and like the food and you, you get drinks and it's like that every single night on Broadway. And, <laughs> um, the end of the street is the Bridgestone arena where the Nashville predators play. So Nashville getting similar vibes from what you're describing it's me. Probably very similar. And it, it's Frank, funny that Aldo brings yeah, up. I was, was going to ask you, Frank, I was going to see any girls plastered titties. Well, they sell a lot of t-shirts with just titties on them, right? Oh, really? And like all of a sudden we're walking by and I asked, gee, is that girl naked? She <laughs> she goes, no, and she's wearing a t-shirt. I'm like, oh my God, like all the shops have like a bunch of like naked shirts. And like I sent Vinny a couple, like they're very vulgar city. They, a lot of swearing goes on in New Orleans. But it, 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 if you haven't been there, it's definitely somewhere to check out. I'm not rushing to run back there anytime soon. I mean, but it was confirm, a lot of fun. Confirmed Frankie hates New Orleans. <laughs> What's a beignet? Imagine a square donut without a hole. Square donut without a hole. Okay. I messed with it. A square, like a rectangular square piece of dough. And it tastes like a donut. They put like powder sugar. Yeah, I was Imagine say, I if a donut had a baby with the funnel cake or something. That's interesting. Well, the funny thing is, before we got into New Orleans, the funny intro I was going to bring up was churros. So, you know, I was going to ask your guys' opinion on churros, but it sounds to me like beignets are like, they're nothing like churros, but I would always guess they were no, similar, but it's like more like really. a donut. It's more like a donut, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the powdered sugar, uh, our cousin Brian, who he went to New Orleans a few years ago, and he actually explained it to me as like it's impossible to not make a mess when eating it. Like you're getting oh, yeah. powdered sugar everywhere when you eat these things. I, I kind of like that. I was like dressed for the day, and all of a sudden, like oh, I got powdered sugar everywhere. You gotta wear white. This yeah. much powdered sugar left in the bag that they gave us. It was. Ridiculous. That's why you got to get one of those shirts with just titties on it. There you go. It blends in, right? Yeah, that that's why we put in the beginning of the show. That's uh, that good. That disturbing good. discretion is advised. That, that's for conversations like this where we talk about New Orleans. Those look good. I have, They're very good. I should make them. That'd be sick if you made them. 
uh, I was going to ask, like, it's funny that we started talking about desserts from New Orleans because of Frankie's trip. I, my literal thing, my funny little intro I was going to bring up was churros. So we'll lean into that. Joe, talk about churros. I like churros. I like fresh churros. And it's kind of hard to get a fresh churro because uh, a lot of times they, they pre-make them. They're sitting. Um, those I can honestly take or leave. We saw at the Sox game. Uh, many times this year I passed up on a churro because I'd rather go get like Dippin' Dots or something. So if unless the churro is made fresh right out of the oil, I want someone squeezing it out of the piping bag right into the oil, then right into my belly. Uh, that's when I think churros are elite, but it's hard to get them that fresh. Frank, churros? I'm a big churro fan. Uh, the small ones, the big ones, the filled ones. Um, <laughs> you know who's got a good churro? Who? Costco. Got a great okay. churro. They're huge too. I don't know. I've never had their churros. Oh, yeah. They're so Yeah, good. I've never I, had a churro. I love churros. Churros is probably one of my favorite like dessert snacks. Well, me, me too. And the reason I brought it up was because today on SouthsideShowdown.com, you can find the definitive ranking by me of all the churro flavors at Guaranteed Rate Field. I tried every single one in the final week of the season. And then I think I got to the strawberry one in the playoff game. One of the two playoff games, I don't remember. But I'll tell you. The churros there are phenomenal. Highly recommend. And I highly recommend you checking out that little piece where I go through and thoroughly rank each churro at the stadium. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up today. There you go. Next week, uh, next week we got some, some big movie things going on. And I see Scott. I just had to say Scott secured his tickets and I'm very, very happy to hear that. Yeah. Me and Joey were literally just talking about how excited we were for that movie before we went on about an hour ago. And so we'll we'll make that our fun little intro discussion next week, Scott. So make sure you turn in, tune in. Yeah, when, but, when are we going? What is this? Next week, right? Uh, yeah. It's the 16th our tickets are for. So it'll be fun to see that movie. I'm very much looking forward to it. But all right. before we get to all that stuff, you boys want to talk some hockey? Sure. I do. Let's talk some hockey in period number one. And welcome to period number one, where we're going to lead things off with the hometown Chicago Blackhawks, who are all the way back, but not really. They went 2-2-0 since our most recent show, where they had games against the Washington Capitals, New York Islanders, and New York Rangers twice. Joseph, what? Just as I predicted, 2-0-0. Yeah, 2-2-0. Didn't get the games even slightly right, but uh, I'll get your reaction first, Joe, on this recent stretch of games that they've played since our last show. I think it wasn't too far off. I mean, they they uh, they beat the Capitals, which I was very surprised at. Um, I thought they were going to lose that game. I, what I thought was going to happen, I thought they'd be able to get one of those Rangers games, but the Rangers just keep they just keep rolling. They are good. Uh, and they're not slowing down. And that Islanders game, I actually watched a good portion of that Islanders game. And uh, crazy that the Islanders tied it so late. And then uh, Marc-Andre Fleury just comes up big in the shootout there. I don't know if you guys saw Kane's move is sick. I, I love when Kane in the shootout gets all close. He like comes in with speed and then he slams on the brakes, gets all close and does his little stick handling. And he just roofed it, roofed it over the glove. Oh, that was sick. But uh, I thought it was a, a fairly good week. Um, aside, like you beat two really good teams. I think the Islanders are better than their record shows, 
Um, you after they beat the Capitals, you were really hoping they were able to get one against the New York Rangers, and they weren't. But I mean, you just you move forward. They got another tough uh, couple games ahead that we'll get into in a bit. Frank, yeah, the Blackhawks surprised me against the Capitals. They that game when they played them, they were solely in first in the league, and I think they're tied with Toronto and Panthers, um, the Capitals. I really wasn't expecting them to go into Washington and win. So that was a really big surprise. Um, the Rangers, I thought, like Joey said, they would get one of the two against the Rangers. So that was kind of a disappointment. I, I had a feeling they'd beat the Islanders. So I wasn't surprised that they beat the Islanders. I think they stink. But all in all, they've been playing a, a lot better lately. So I hope it continues. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in between both of you. On the Islanders, I think the Islanders could be like this year's version of the Blues. I'm not saying win the cup, but like be that team in last place. And because, I mean, this is a team that has been in the Eastern Conference Finals for the last two seasons and then played and they lost to Tampa Bay in a close series both times and Tampa Bay went on to win the cup. So who's to say the Islanders wouldn't have won the cup had they not beaten Tampa Bay? The Islanders have been good for a long time now. And they basically brought back the same team plus Chara and plus Zach Parisi. So it's not like they got worse since, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals last year or the year before. If anything, they've gotten better, but they started the year 13 on the road and didn't fare too well in that. So it's going to take a minute for them to get back on track, but we'll see if they're able to. Um, I was impressed with the way the Hawks played against them, but ultimately a 2-2-0 road trip against those, or I guess 2-2-0 stretch because they weren't on the road. One of the Rangers was at the United Center. But it's a nice stretch. But like I said, playing 500 hockey is not going to dig them out of their hole. In fact, they actually lost a point in the standings by going 2-2-0. They now trail the final wildcard spot by eight points instead of seven. And it's been like slowly hovering over seven for the last couple weeks now. And, you know, like I said, you got to do much better than that if you want to get back into it. But it was a tough road trip. And, you know, that game against the Rangers last night, they had that game. And then we'll get into the turning point of the game a little later in the first period. But, you know, there were some things that happened and they went into the third period tied 2-2 and they just let the Rangers run away with it. And the reason I'm like most upset with their loss last night was because of the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury is sitting on career win number 499. His next win will be his 500th career win. And he is legit one of the greatest goalies of all time, and I cannot wait to see him reach this milestone. So, Frank, I'll start with you with some analysis on the play of Marc-Andre Fleury lately. Yeah, he's been an absolute stud lately, and that's what I think the Hawks wanted when they signed him. And uh, But to talk about what you were saying uh, about his 500th win, I was really hoping it was going to come at home. Like you said, they had the game in the bag. They played a perfect two periods. And then, I mean, they got their two goals in the first period, which was the first time I think that the Rangers let up two goals in the first period this year. Um, So I was like, all right, this is a turning point. Then everything kind of faltered out at the end. So I was kind of bummed that he didn't get it at home. Um, So now they go to Montreal tomorrow. And I'm really hoping that if he starts, he picks it up tomorrow since Montreal hasn't been the best team. Um, but Fleury hasn't been the best goalie uh, when playing against Montreal either. He holds a 22-13-6 career record against them with a 312 uh, goals against average and an 897 save percentage. And coming off the l- tough loss yesterday that he had, they might start Lankinen and save Fleury for the game against Toronto. 
So you never know, but I, I'm really hoping it comes sooner rather than later. I'm thinking long and hard about what you just said about Marc-Andre Fleury with the Habs. And like, it makes sense. Like the Golden Knights lost to Montreal in the conference finals last year. It was weird division alignment because of COVID-19, but they ended up playing them as a East-West matchup in the conference finals last year. And then I'm thinking back to the days in Pittsburgh when Marc-Andre Fleury probably played against a pretty good Habs team back in the day. So it's interesting to hear that the Habs are almost like one of those teams for him. Joe? Yeah, I would bet all my bacon that uh, Lankinen starts tomorrow. Uh, and Flurry gets the, Yeah, I'd bet everything I have that Lankinen starts and Flurry starts on Saturday against the Leafs, where he probably will get his 500 win because the Leafs stink. Um, one thing I want to say about uh, Flurry. You're a fucking you, idiot. If you look back <laughs> at that, uh, that Washington game in the shootout, the 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 way flurry and we've seen it for years we're big flurry guys Vinny and i we, we've always loved flurry i love when this guy thanks his posts so much it makes it's so it, funny it makes me feel good like he uh kuznetsov hit the post in uh in like regulation i think or maybe it was even overtime and then kuznetsov hits the left post again the same post that he hit earlier in the game and then I forget who it was. Someone hit the right post. So literally in the shootout, Flurry gets saved by both posts. And then, you know, he does his little rubs on him and he, he thanks him. I'm convinced he fucking talks to them. I think he <laughs> names them. I think he's they have like little personalities to him. But he's always thanking those posts. And I love it. There he is rubbing it. And then after the game, the Hawks win. He's ready to go celebrate with his teammates. But. What does he do? He turns around and he goes and, and thanks his other two teammates real quick before getting to the other guys. Here he is giving it one more thank you. But it, it was just hilarious. And then, you know, he won in the shootout also against the Islanders. So I love when Flurry does that shit. It, it's, it just gets, makes me warm and fuzzy inside. And every time he gives up a goal, he do, goes and does his little fucking skate around the corner. <laughs> yeah. It's just so great. I love Marc-Andre Flurry with my but whole heart. But after the shootout win against Washington, he literally like skated toward the teammates who were all coming toward him, turns around and goes and thanks the posts one last time, both of them. And it was hilarious. <laughs> That's honestly really funny. I, I love Marc-Andre Fleury. I can't wait to see him get this milestone. And he's third all-time in wins behind Patrick Watt and Martin Broder. And then he goes and celebrates with them. Yep, he's got Hey, those are his teammates. Those are those are the people he gets to talk to throughout the game. And it's clear that Marc-Andre Fleury is like one of those typical goalies who like has his superstitions, like he does his little skate in the corner. Joe, I remember a time there was I think the Penguins were playing the Bruins and the Bruins scored like a controversial goal against the Penguins. And when they were reviewing it, you were like, "Yeah, when they is like, this is a Bruins goal. Flurry needs to go do his little fucking skate or something mean like that. <laughs> yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah, so we love Mark Andre Flurry. I'm happy he's on the Blackhawks. If they're going to continue to stink, I hope they trade him, and I think they will if they are well out of a playoff spot a couple weeks after New Year, maybe by the Olympics. I would like to see him be on the Blackhawks for the Olympics. I would like to see him represent Chicago as an Olympian and then get traded once they come back. I'd be cool. I would really appreciate that because I'm a huge Marc-Andre Fleury guy, and I like knowing that he's residing in the same city that I live in because he's just such a good dude. Um, Kirby Doc, he finally scored a goal, guys. And they need more from Kirby Doc. 
there's a certain player from his draft class that was taken after him that just broke the internet last night with a goal that he scored. You see what Jack Hughes is doing in New Jersey. You see what Bowen Byram potentially being a Calder Trophy candidate in Colorado. Like, they need more from Kirby Doc. They need him to be one of those great draft picks from that draft class because if he doesn't, it's going to be a major issue for their status as a team going forward. So, Joe, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Kirby Doc finally scoring a goal? Yeah, uh, you can you can kind of tell the skill is there. I almost feel bad for him because, like, he's creating – he always creates chances. He, he's not like uh, – what would you call that? He's not a, like a, a nuisance to have out there. Or, uh... No, he – he looks like he belongs. It's almost yeah. like he's unlucky. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's good for him. And that's actually a pretty sweet goal, you know, right off the face off, doing that little spin around and you just kind of wax it and it goes in. But, I mean, I think that's awesome. I Hopefully it's just the start of more to come because, honestly, I feel like the way he plays, he deserves, you know, to be a little more recognized on the score sheet. Sure. Frank? The Blackhawks drafted Kirby Doc to add depth to this lineup. They can't always rely on Debrinket or Kane to get you points and goals. So when they go sour for a little bit, Doc is going to have to be that person to chip in. You know, Kane's not going to be with the Hawks forever. Doc is hopefully going to be part of the future of the Blackhawks. So the fact that he finally got a goal, I mean, it it just, it's got to keep coming though. You know, I love this kid. I think he's a great player and I think the skill levels there, but he's just, he's just been a little off lately and that's fine. Players go through that. Um, Everybody goes through that. So just he's just got to chip in a little bit because, like I said, Kanan, Debrinket, and Seth Jones, who's been really good, they're not always going to be able to get you points. Joe, I would like your opinion on this. He kind of reminds me of a worse version of Nico Heischer. Like, Heischer has way more points than Doc. Like, if you look at their point totals, they're, like, not even close. Nico's in, like, the middle teens, and Doc is, like, not even at double digits yet, if I remember correctly. But, like... In terms of they look like they're creating high danger chances, they're good defensively, and they they hit the post a lot, or they you know they get shots on goal, and the goalie makes a sick save, or like you know I, I just get similar vibes from both of them offensively. Defensively, I think yeah. they're both very stout, and I think like I in no way think Doc is like a bust. He'll be an NHL player for fifteen years. Like when I just see some of the players drafted after him, I worry about the offensive production, similar to how I feel about Nico Heeshear, because Kale McCarr is a Norris Trophy winning defenseman, potentially, who was drafted after Nico. Elias Pettersson, I'd rather Nico over him any day of the week, especially this year. But, you know, even someone like Miro Heiskanen, eh, the, the draft's not that great, but I mean, if that draft is redone, Nico probably goes second instead of first behind Kale McCarr. But I just get similar vibes in terms of like the offensive chances are there. They play extremely well defensively, but the you just like to see a couple more goals. Yeah, and you've obviously watched way more Nico Heischer than I have. But from what I've seen, I feel like Nico is better defensively. Like if if my team is if we are the other team's coming at my my guy and I got my centerman back checking, I want Nico over Kirby Doc. But from what I've seen offensively, I think Kirby Doc has that, you know, skill and more potential there to put up a 70-point season over Nico. But defensively, I'm taking Nico. Okay, out of the two, though, who are you taking overall? Right now, Nico. Okay. But that's not to say that both players can, you know, blossom even more. But that's not to say Kirby Doc can, like, eventually develop into that player that I want 
over a lot of guys. Yeah. Well, I think I think Nico's ceiling is Barkov, and I think his floor is himself right now. I think Doc's ceiling is um, Getzlaff, and his floor is him right now. And they're both good players right now. So it's like I, I just get similar vibes in terms of like the chances, like how you brought up, you know, they're both they both look like they belong. They they both create lots of offensive chances. Nico's been a little luckier offensively lately. You know, he's scoring goals and getting assists again. But I don't know. I get similar vibes from both of them. I hope Kirby Doc elevates himself to be at least on par with someone like Nico because with a third overall pick, you know, you'd like to see that from your guy. Mm-hmm. Frank. Who- Go ahead. Who were some of the other names that went around him? You said Bowen Byram. I know that. Uh, the first pick was Jack Hughes. The second mm-hmm. was Capo Caco to the New York Rangers. Yeah. The third was Kirby Doc. The fourth was Bowen Byram to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. The fifth was Alexander Turcott to the Los Angeles Kings. The sixth was Moritz Sider to the Detroit Red Wings. Seventh was... Who the heck was seventh? I don't remember who seventh was. Eighth... Eighth was I forget who eighth was. Is that the Ninth same one that Brady Kachuk went. No, Kachuk went the year before fourth. Um, the Darlene draft. Uh, ninth was Zegris, and okay, tenth that's was, what I'm that's tenth, what I'm waiting for. Tenth, tenth was Pod Colson, who's awesome for Vancouver. That, you're you're going to see wondering. Pod Colson play the Bruins tonight. That's what I was wondering. I was um, yeah, I think I saw him a few like last week. Um, that's what I was wondering would if he was the same uh, draft class as Trevor Zegris. Yeah. So I don't know. I like Kirby Doc. I think, you know, I only brought up Heeshire as a, an example of somebody who, like, every now and then it seems like their offensive chances are there, but they get unlucky. The goalie makes a save. They hit a post. Whatever. They're both going to be elite players, top 30, no, top 50 centermen in the league. So, you know, I, I like both of these guys. So hopefully Kirby Doc scoring that goal can get him off and running. Now, the reason the Blackhawks lost the game yesterday, in my opinion, was the play of Artemi Panarin. And the Blackhawks stupidly traded Artemi Panarin to the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2017 in exchange for to get Brandon Saad back. And since then, literally, the Blackhawks organization has taken a nosedive and they went from being a legit Stanley Cup contender. They got swept by Nashville in 2017, but really that was kind of unlucky. Like they lost two one nothing games to open the series at home. Like anything could have happened in any of those games. And like getting swept doesn't look good on paper. But if you watch the games, you know how much the Hawks were in that series and had a chance to win win basically every game um but since trading Panarin it was just a disaster and yesterday Artemi Panarin had two goals and two assists for four points and in the two games total against the Rangers between Saturday and um yesterday Panarin scored three goals four assists for seven points in six total periods so Frank I ask you how much does it hurt you to watch Artemi Panarin play for someone else oh it pains me it gives me the chills just talking about it. Brings me back to the day that I heard he was traded. And in fact, this goal right here, I like I knew it was gonna go in the net. As soon as I saw it get to Panera and stick, I'm like, uh oh, game over. Um sick play just, by Kreider though to one. Yeah, that was it was yep. a great play. It just pains me to see him on another team because he's so good and there's no goalie in the NHL that likes playing against him. They see the Rangers are on the schedule, they're like, oh shit, here we go. You're gonna have to play against Panarin. He's just he's so electric too, and he just he, he meshes well no matter what who he plays with what line he's on, and he just and it seems like players play better against their ex teams too. 
Doesn't it seem that way a little yeah. bit? Oh, yeah. All the, especially ones that traded them. Especially yeah, ones that traded it them. It seems like they got something to prove. So he's just causing havoc for the Hawks. He's causing, causing havoc for any other teams he plays against. So it just it sucks to see him on a different team. And it just if I had this conversation with my dad yesterday about Panarin. It just pisses me off to the fact, like, to no end to see him on another team when he should still be with the Hawks. Ro- uh, Rocky Wirt should call Stan Bowman and just remind him that he's still fired because of that trade. Just call him up and say, how you doing? How's the family? Oh, by the way, just so you know, you're still fucking fired. And he's uh, so good, dude. And um, and it made me laugh when Panarin was on the Hawks. He's only good because of Kane. Are you stupid? Did Kane ever have 100 points before Panarin came along? What the hell are you talking about? So, yeah. I don't know. That used to piss me off, too. And I'm happy that when they did trade him, he proved that it wasn't because of Patrick Kane. And I think every nor- normal, rational Blackhawks fan would agree with me on that, saying that they're happy seeing him have success without Patrick Kane because Artemi Panarin deserves his props as well. Oh, yeah. And it's not his fault he was traded. You can't hate Panarin because oh, the no. end of the Hawks oh, no, is an no, idiot. No, no. Yeah. I don't hate Panarin. Oh, yeah. I love Panarin. Bowman lost three trades involving Brandon Saab. Not one, not two, three. I love Panarin because he gets in. You could tell he's passionate. Like he's throwing gloves over at Brad Marchand. <laughs> I love yeah. this guy. And Artemi Panarin, he challenged some political controversies in Russia a couple years ago. And he had to take a leave of absence to go help his family, like protect them or whatever. And the Rangers had like a 300 winning percentage while he was gone. So, in terms of most valuable players to his team, it's hard to argue against Artemi Panarin for the New York Rangers. Yeah. And over this weekend, uh, one of our family members, you know, asked me, and a lot of times, like people who aren't huge NHL fans, but really big Blackhawks, they don't necessarily don't know like how certain players are doing, especially over in the Eastern Conference. That's kind of why we invented this show. Yeah. They don't watch the games, which is understandable. And, you know, a cool, when obviously when the Rangers make their way over to Chicago or vice versa, it, it reminds people like, oh, yeah, Artemi Panarin, how's he doing? And a question I get a lot is, how did the Hawks ever let that guy go? And then you have to explain, yeah, it was probably one of the worst trades I've ever seen the Blackhawks do in the past 20 years. Um, but then you have to remind that person like, yeah, this guy is not only is he doing good with the Rangers, he gets MVP votes every single year, it seems. And he's going to win one one of these years. Um, you're gonna have to tell me off camera who it was that talked to you about that. I'm curious, but it, it, it like ranks right there with Hasek. The older folks watching this can probably correct me if I'm wrong or whatever, but Hasek and Esposito are like known as the worst trades the Hawks have ever made. Panarin's right there. And I know people think there's recency bias when you talk about active stuff. I don't think it's recency bias. You traded away a perennial MVP candidate. I mean, even if he doesn't win it, he's coming in sixth, seventh, eighth. If he doesn't win it, the only reason he didn't win it is because there's like two guys who were probably better. Yeah, it's because he plays in the same league as Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and Leon Dreisaitl. All three of those guys are basically scoring every freaking day. Absolutely swindled. The trade wasn't fair. Yeah, not only did I uh, bring up the whole, you know, he's getting MVP votes. Another thing that's just kind of funny, Brandon Saad over in St. Louis has like 10 goals already, and he's he's playing great in St. Louis. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of Yeah, funny. well, he didn't play bad in Chicago. He's a two-time champion. No, but, I mean, the Blackhawks up to this point could use another guy who has 10 goals on their Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think what has gone on with them has been a disaster. And, yeah, although he agrees with me and he rarely does. Yeah, most people disagree with me most of the time. Um, I disagree with that. 
Disagree with what? That most people disagree with you. It was a joke. <laughs> it was me disagreeing with you then. Oh, you're disagreeing with me on disagreeing yeah, right over me. his head. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think our the Artemi Panarin trade is just so obscene. And I just can't believe that like that was I can't believe Gary Bettman like allowed it. They had to like get the trade. They had to get the trade papers in hand and be like, excuse me? You're trading who for who? that Bowman was sniffing glue before that trade. Vinny I would thinks, almost guarantee it. Vinny thinks like Commissioner Bettman, Bettman's in charge like a fantasy league where he doesn't let the two drunk guys make like, oh, kill Bowman. <laughs> the trade. That's what Vinny wanted Gary to do with this. Vinny Bowman. just wants him to press a button and hit the client. Yeah? See, see what would happen if the Edmonton Oilers tried to trade Connor McDavid for uh, Ryan Reeves. I think he would be a great asset to the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, you're a clown. I I hate it. I, I think back on it, and I just get so disgusted that an NHL GM looked at Brandon Sod and went, you know, Brandon Sod's a pretty good player. He, he gets to the front of the net. He scores big goals in the playoffs, which Panarin has yet to do up to this point, but most of his teams haven't made the postseason. We'll see it this year. I think so, too. And, you know – He's a little more crafty with the puck. Like Brandon Sod plays a playoff kind of game. Like he gets to the front of the net. He's hard on pucks. He's kind of mean. Where Panarin is like, he's a more skill guy. You want him on your power play. But and Frank, he, you make players around him better. Like look at Chris Kreider. He's got 17 goals right now. And and I honestly think he has a chance to really keep this up and be amongst the leading goal scorers in the NHL this year. Probably going to play for Team USA. Yeah. Like that, that's what Panarin's helping Kreider do, to be honest with you. I yeah. think he, I do think he will make it, especially if he starts racking up some assists. He only has four, I believe, right now, but I mean, 21 points in this many games is yeah. pretty fucking good, absolutely. And it's mostly goals, so you know, he could shoot if they put him on a line with like Austin Matthews or Jack Eichel. Like, that could be a really good forward addition to Team USA. So, I'm kind of rooting for him, and he's kind of mean, he's kind of a dick. So, you know, I appreciate Kreider, but just the fact that Panarin. And Frank, you made me think of this when you talked about the goal that you knew was going to go in. Patrick Kane had a very similar shot on goal later in the game, and Adam Fox stuck out his stick and blocked it from going past uh, Georgiev. And I want your guys' opinion on this guy because I know we're going to – I think we have – Yeah, the Rangers know, are second period talk. <laughs> yeah, we do have talking about – do I don't have anything written down about oh I do I do have New York Rangers written down for the second period so I guess we could get into that a little later but I don't know man this New York Rangers team they're they're electrifying they it's are crazy it, it really is yeah Frank the Blackhawks are eight points out thoughts well interesting enough I didn't know this until it was brought to my attention the other night um when the Hawks fired Jeremy Colleton they were eight points out of a playoff spot Derek King in his first 10 games goes seven and three, 700 winning percentage. After that 10th game, when they go seven and three, right? They're still eight points out of a playoff spot after winning 70% of your games. That's how tough it is to dig yourself out of a hole when you're there. I tried to tell you guys when it happened. However, <laughs> however I, I still think they're, they're not out of it. I think that they just keep grinding away. They've been playing a lot better lately. It sucks that they're still eight points out of a playoff spot. They need to start winning more than 500 or uh, 50% of their games. But yeah, I mean, this, the eight points, it's like, it's like nothing's changed. But when I watch the Hawks, I feel 
in my heart, a lot has changed, but it hasn't shown statistically yet. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with, I agree with you, Frank. And if they go seven and three out of every 10 games, they will come back and make the playoffs, but they're five and five in their last time. Like is seven and three sustainable for this roster? That's where my question is. Like, I, I don't think it is. And do I think five and five, six and four is sustainable for this roster? 500, 600. You know, that's what we thought going into the season, looking at the roster, a bubble team. But if they play like a bubble team the rest of the season, they can't make the playoffs because even when they play 700 hockey, sometimes they won't game ground. Sometimes they will. I bet if they, I bet if they win seven of their next 10, they'll make up at least three or four points in the standings. But are they going to do that? That's where my, like, they might in February go on a 10 game stretch where they win seven, but they need to basically win seven out of every single 10 the rest of the way. And that is freaking tough. I kind of have a, a theory. You look at some of the teams uh, in, you know, the Western conference standings at, at, in that wild card race, a fear, uh, my logic on why, just from looking at it and my knowledge of some of the way, the way that some of these teams ahead of them are playing right now, uh, the reason why, if you go seven and three and they haven't made up much ground, you look at the teams ahead of them. We knew Vegas was going to get better. Max Pacioretty is scoring in like every game. Winnipeg is finally starting to score. They're putting up 14 goals in a matter of two games. Colorado's starting to figure it out. They're, they're gaining ground. I see that face from Vinny because one of those was against the New Jersey Devils. Braden Holpe in his last three games has been outstanding for the Dallas Stars. So you look at some of those teams ahead of them. They need those teams to not be getting points when they're going seven and three. But unfortunately for them, a lot of teams are just playing really good hockey right now. So they need to sustain it while those teams above them are falling down. And let me tell you right now, the only team that's ahead of them right now that I could see them falling down, there's three of them, the Kings, the Seattle Kraken, and the San Jose Sharks. I don't think the Ducks are coming out of their uh, division spot. So they're going to uh, – you're hoping like a Pacific team can jump into that division spot. But I honestly think those top three teams in the Pacific are going to stay there. And then it's going to be fighting with those other Pacific teams for that wild card spot. But I mean, it, it's tough because Colorado ain't going anywhere. St. Louis has been great. The wild are great. So, I mean, it's tough. You need the teams ahead of you to start playing bad when you're playing good. And it's just not happening right now. <laughs> and, you know, also they have to beat a lot of Western conference teams. A lot of their wins lately have been coming against Eastern conference teams. So that doesn't really help gain much traction in the standings. Um, and another thing is they got to find ways to win in regulation because the three-point games, that hurts them too. That's hard to gain ground too if you're giving everybody a point or whatnot. Like I said, now we're gonna, the Hawks are going to play Montreal and then Toronto, some more Eastern Conference teams. But the time will come when they get that stretch of Western Conference games in, and I think that's going to be the most important stretch of the season is when they start to hit those. I think I the, West, the West is so much better than the East. The East is very top heavy. The top teams in the East might be better than the top teams in the West, but the depth in the West is so much more for me. Vin, we thought the Pacific division was going to be the worst division it going into the this season. I think it's the best hands down. I think the Central's the best, but I would put the Pacific right there with them. The Metropolitan and the Atlantic have teams that are faltering. The only team faltering in the centrals, the Arizona coyotes and the only team faltering in the Pacific. We thought the Kraken they've been hot lately. The Canucks to me kind of stink and they fired their coach and hired. They, they can yeah. They, real quick. They fired their coach and then the next day fired the GM. So did the GM fire the coach? 
That's a really good question. So I was so no. confused. I was like, why wouldn't they just do it at the same time? Because if the GM fired the coach and hired Bruce Boudreaux, then the, did they just say, okay, thanks for doing that, GM? You're fired too? <laughs> My guess is it was all a preconceived plan. Yeah. Um, uh, this is something we don't want to talk about, but we have to. Jujar Kara took a nasty, nasty hit from Jacob Truba last night. Jacob Truba had a really good game leading up to it. He scored the first goal for the Rangers. He's actually having probably his best season with the Rangers. His contract has been kind of a disappointment with New York, but the Jujar Kara hit was not good. And it seems like the league kind of failed the Blackhawks here with this whole thing, because to me, it was like an elbow or a shoulder to the face. And then of course it's not, I don't think Truba had malicious intent in terms of him hitting his head on the ice or knocking him out or anything like that. You never know what's truly in a player's head. It does look to me like he tried to like just lay a clean hit on a guy with the puck. He did not leave his feet. And, you know, I, I know it's probably a dirty hit because of the fact that uh, Kara got hit in the face by the arm of Truba. But to me, it's not the most egregious hit I've ever seen. Um I've seen way worse hits create way less injury. So that that's kind of where I'm at on the whole thing. Joe, you look like you have something to say on the whole hit. Being a Boston Bruins fan, you know a lot about suspensions and lack thereof and, you know, dirty hits and people getting injured. So lay it on us. I know a lot about big hits and I'll tell you right now. And I don't, I, if you guys disagree, you disagree. I think this is a, a clean hockey play. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate what happened. Jack Edwards Parisi. It is so unfortunate, and I feel terrible. You never want to see anything like this, especially when they're this hurt. Um, hope I, I believe he's you know conscious and fine now. But yeah. um, he was released from the hospital. For it them. was just a, yeah, it was an unfortunate play. If he if he doesn't lose the puck in his skates for one, I think this doesn't happen. Uh, the hit was already committed. He had possession of the puck. He kind of lost it in the skates. It is just a clean center body hit. And it knocks him out cold. I, I don't think – I think the NHL got it right by having no discipline for Truba. I'm sorry. I think this is a clean, unfortunate play that happened. It was Two a, things can be true. Yeah, I'm not going to call it clean, but I'm also not going to call it dirty. You get what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I think Tr it's clean. Truba definitely had the intention of laying out car. Which is fine. That's, that's a part of the game. Yeah. That's a part of the game. You see, if, if it was an open, an open ice hit when he had possession of the puck and then he gets laid out like that – but he gets gets up right away. The fucking building erupts. If it obviously not here because it was in Chicago, but you know the building erupts for hits just like that. They love it. It gets the bench going. Unfortunately, on this play, he got hurt really bad. But good on the NHL for not you know digging into it and picking out little nitpicking things like they did with someone I won't talk about. Frank. Yeah, it was very scary um, when it happened. I I immediately thought the worst. I saw a lifeless body just laying there. Yeah, and I, I, uh huh. That's scary when when the guy player like literally gets knocked out cold. I, I was like, I was actually like really really nervous. I gasped when it happened because then I, I, it was just so unreal. He was just laying there, and I thought you know he'd like move an arm or something, but no, he, he didn't move at all. Like it was like one of the scariest things I've seen with my own two eyes. And when it when it first happened, I'm like, how is there no penalty here? And then in slow mo. I kind of am agreeing with Joey. It, it looks clean. He catches him upper chest, maybe lower head area. But I, like he said, the, the puck was in the vicinity. I don't think there was any malicious intent. 
Um, if he didn't lose the puck in his skates and have to look down like that, the, yeah. he'd, be, he'd be getting up and it would just be a really big hit that changes the momentum of the game. That's what happens in hockey. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think it was really dirty or clean like Vinny said. I, I, it's kind of in the in-between. I didn't know which way to go. I keep watching it over and over again and my opinion changes. But yeah, I, I think the NHL did get it right by no, by not having any discipline. Jujar Kara is a huge part of this Blackhawks lineup. I mean, somebody who's not a fan of the Hawks as much as I am and just like keeps up on it and don't actually see him play in the lineup, don't understand what he brings to the team. Um, but I, he's, he's, it's a huge loss for the Hawks right now. Um, the Blackhawks did say the prognosis was excellent and he was released from the hospital, which is good, uh, but there's no timetable for his return. But I, I can't wait for him to come back to the Hawks and hopefully makes a speedy recovery. Yeah. I'm with both you guys. It's tough to see a hit like that and look at it and go like, that's clean. Cause like Truba definitely intended to end Kara in hockey sense, like yeah. to separate him from the puck and create a rush going the other way. But I in no way, and I would take any opportunity I can to roast a New York Rangers player if I could especially Truba because, like, the Devils were kind of in on him and then lost out to the Rangers. Um, Wasn't he on the Jets a while ago? In yeah. He they he was traded to the Rangers because he was, like, on an expired contract and the Jets didn't want to pay him. Yeah. So it was like a trade and sign kind of deal. Um, it's normally a sign and trade, but this was like a trade and sign. Um, I, I just – it's unfortunate. I hope Kara's okay. I agree with Frankie that he brings more to the lineup than goals and assists might show. He scored at the one Blackhawks game I was at this season, which is kind of funny. But um, I, I like the guy, and I, I hope he makes a speedy recovery and comes back healthy. And, you know, it's unfortunate that plays like that happen in hockey every now and then. And yeah. I also think, really quick, before you get off the subject, that, like I said, the hit came from, like, right here – it's about right here. And I think most of the contact point was kind of like down near the chest area, even though it does look, he does get part of the head. Obviously if it's the full head, I think Truba would have got disciplined a hundred percent. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of whether he left his feet or not. Like this yeah, wouldn't even be a well, question. Those are the two keys for me. He didn't leave his feet and the clear injury came from his head bouncing into the ice right. and then hitting it. It hit the ice a second time. I think there wasn't enough clear contact to the head on the initial hit for there to be discipline yeah and yes. minor contact to the head is almost inevitable when you have an open ice hit like that that hard in the in the chest where or even in the shoulder where you where you're meant to hit guys like the way your your body works in physics like you're gonna your body's gonna move and your head's not gonna move at first and you're gonna make some minor head contact um, another thing that you look into is was it a charge no it wasn't a charge very rare that you see charging calls in the NHL, uh, and what a charge is is if he was in stride to the hit, it would be a charge. But no, he glided into the hit. <clears throat> but I, when, you, when you see it fast too, I thought there also could have been an elbow, like w the initial first reaction. That's I thought what I thought too. Yeah, I go, Where, there's no elbowing call on the play. But then, yeah. like you said, when you slow it down, it's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah, and you hear Derek King give his press conference after the game, and he's like, I haven't seen the hit yet. When I was talking to the rest, I was just seeing what their thoughts were on mm -hmm. whether or not it was a penalty. He's very well-spoken after games. I don't know if you ever listen to his post-game interviews. Very, very well-spoken. Doesn't really – he doesn't sound like he looks – like when he first got hired, people started comparing him to Walter White and, you know, 
you know what Walter White is. He's like one of the most evil people in any story ever. Joey thinks he's not evil, but he's just a complete clown for thinking that. Um, like Walter White's like an evil dude. Uh, Derek King, he looks the part, but he doesn't really sound the part. And I, I think that's like a good mix when you're a head coach because like he could be mean, but he's also like he handled that press conference with grace and class. So big Derek King guy over here. Jonathan Tabes, zero goals, nine assists. It is a very rare occasion that we reach the second week of December where a star like Jonathan Taves has zero goals. And there are a couple other stars around the league that have zero goals, but Jonathan Taves is still like in his early 30s, coming off a season where he missed for health reasons. And, you know, it's tough to see him not have a goal. He did have one that was waved off against the St. Louis Blues on Black Friday. But, I mean, to not have a goal, man, if you're Taves and if you're in the lineup, the Hawks could really use some offensive production from the captain. Joe, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, you know, when going into the season, one of the main things that people said that why we thought the Hawks we would be better, you know, you were getting you had Seth Jones on your back end. That was an upgrade. You have Mark Andre Fleury and that that's an upgrade. And it's the return of Jonathan Taves. That should be an upgrade. But I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Is it an, is it really an upgrade? <clears throat> or do you think they they'd be higher in the standings if they had a centerman who maybe had six goals on the board and and eight assists <laughs> like i don't know well doc has how many goals four okay yeah okay doc has four tapes has zero tyler johnson hasn't played in a month and you're not getting much offense from like carpenter or whoever's playing fourth line on any given day so their center of the ice offensive production has been severely, severely lacking. Dylan Strom's playing mostly wing. Um, he plays even when he plays center, like he's not scoring like 50 goals. So it's it's definitely a sore spot on the team right now. After going into the season, it looked like it might be a strong spot. Yeah, and it's not. We that's what I'm saying. Like we thought that this would be a huge upgrade, and I don't know if if you get you know six or seven goals from your captain. Add six or seven goals to some of these games. Like, you never know what, where, how they could have won other games. Like, he's one of those players who should be a difference maker in your lineup and could win you games, but it really hasn't been that way. Sure, and I agree with you, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so you thought Taze would be an upgrade. You thought Johnson would be an upgrade. It just hasn't been there through the middle of the ice, Frank. Yeah, I think this is the worst slump of his career, obviously, and I think that he could come out of this slump at any time. So, I, I, I mean, he needs to get on the board here. Um but, you know, he's the type of player that when he's not scoring goals and producing offense, he's one of the best leaders in the NHL. And that helps out a little bit. It doesn't win you games. And that's not really what the Hawks need right now. But, you know, I strongly believe that he is going to come out of this slump. I'm giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for what he went through all of last year. Um, it's not an excuse, obviously, but he's he's capable of doing so much more sure i agree with you guys and hopefully taser once he gets one yeah you hope the floodgates open yeah you hope the floodgates open absolutely we are a tapes friendly podcast and we're here to support him through his struggles but that's the blackhawks for you 
it's been a, an interesting season for them so far. I'm interested to see how the rest of it goes through Christmas and then through the All-Star break, the Olympics. They have a bunch of Olympians on their team. So you would think that having as many Olympians as they do, they would have a chance to like be a much better team. But, you know, Jonathan Tay is not looking good for Team Canada. So I, I would almost guarantee he doesn't make it at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, I'm sure he makes it. Yeah, but, you know... We'll see what happens with the team as a whole going forward. And so with that, Joseph, let's send it on over to period number two. And welcome to period two, where me and the boys will be talking about the National Hockey League in general, even though mostly we did that a fair amount of time in the first period. Um, We're going to get going with the Montreal Canadiens. And that's the Blackhawks' next opponent, but that's not the reason I want to talk about them. The reason I want to talk about them is because they stink. And, you know, 6-18-3, Frank. 6-18-3. They might be the worst team in the National. And, like, they've had issues with Carey Price not being able to play. You know, we wish him well. You know, I, I hope Carey Price takes care of him and his mental health. I'm all about that. But, you know, Shea Weber not playing, just some of the offensive Stars that were producing for them last year, not really getting it. Cole Caulfield was sent to the AHL. It's just not going good in Montreal right now. And I would like your thoughts on the squad. Well, yeah, I mean, the team went from like all the way to the top to the bottom in a matter of one season. They go to the Stanley Cup final and now they're near the bottom of the NHL. Probably one of the worst teams in the NHL, if not the worst. Um but the main problem, and it's funny that you bring up Price, is because their problem is goaltending, I think. I think they could score goals if they have to. I mean, they have talent. I mean, and you never know. I mean, look at last year. I mean, their roster hasn't changed a ton since last year. No, but, but losing Price and Weber is, like, but, huge. But I'm saying, but it's besides Price, though. I'm, I'm not talking about Price. Uh, yeah, Weber is a huge loss. But – if you look at their goaltending, both goalies, Allen and Montembeau, how do you say it? Montembeau. 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 They both have over three goals against average, and their save percentages are both in the 800s. That's really bad. Like, yeah, that's bad. That something needs – as your starting goaltender has an over three and an eight – I think it's 897 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Like, something's got to change. The problem's not on the offense. The problem is keeping the fuck out of the net. And I think yeah. that's the biggest problem they have right now. They're past the point of no return, though. They're not trading for Flurry or any other big goalie that'll probably be available at the trade deadline. Like, who are some of the goalies that are going to be available at the deadline? It wouldn't surprise me if the Kraken moved Grubauer. It wouldn't surprise me if the Senators move on from one of their goalies if they're playing well down the stretch. Buffalo has a couple netminders that have been playing okay. If the Devils tried to move Bernier, it wouldn't surprise me. They're just a couple goalies that could be on the move. And, you know, I don't think Montreal will be in the business of purchasing one of those goalies due to the fact that they are 6, 18, and 3. You think the Blackhawks have no chance? Check out Montreal. They have no chance whatsoever. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on your favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, I mean, you guys kind of touched on it from what I heard. Um, I think Shea Weber is so so important to this team and i would say he more like is it sounds weird but him more than the goaltending is the reason that they can't keep the puck out of the net i think he's that good to this team 
and we saw it last year. He was he was literally looked like prime Shea Weber last year. And now you just remove that from your lineup along with some other key pieces, some veteran veteranship from with Corey Perry, who's who's actually doing pretty decent over in Tampa Bay. Uh, and then obviously Carey Price, yeah, the goalie, one of the best goalies in the world. So yeah, it's just a mixture of all of those things and not having the the scoring in the playoffs like you did from Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Tyler Toffoli was on a goal scoring tear all of last year. It's just not there. So it just seems like everyone took a step backwards and it's resulting mm-hmm. in the probably one of the worst teams in the uh, Eastern Conference. And transitioning to the other team in Canada that takes a lot of popularity and, you know, the Eastern Conference going from the worst in the Eastern Conference to maybe the best, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're an elite team. I called them a cup contender at the beginning. Joey laughed at me. He got family members to laugh at me. I'm right. You're wrong. They're amazing. And, you know, I'm on the Leafs wagon. If they win the Stanley Cup, I would just be so happy. I'd be almost as happy as if the Devils won it. Not as happy as if the Devils won it, but I'd be freaking so happy if Toronto won it. And Austin Matthews basically scores every day now. He was a little bit injured early on, and, you know, now he's back and not only is he scoring every day, he's scoring twice every day sometimes. So, and you know, before Frankie goes, I want to hear Joey say nice things about the best team in the Atlantic division, Toronto Maple Leafs. I still think Florida's the best, but the Maple Leafs are way more fun. Here's what I'll say. These guys, I'll I'll name the four again. I say these four names every fucking week. It seems like Austin Matthews. You put respect on their names. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, and Mitchell Martiner. He's Mitchell now. I don't call him Mitch. He's, Mitch. He's on IR right now, too. Yeah. Um, here's why I'm not scared of the Toronto Maple Leafs. These guys score almost every game. It seems cool, mighty, and dandy. That's fine. When they enter the playoffs and a team just shuts down those four guys, they are done. I am not scared of the Maple Leafs one bit. So that's all I'll say about them. They Okay, go ahead. I don't care if they win the President's Trophy. I don't care if they don't lose another game in the fucking rest of the year. They are not going anywhere in the playoffs. This team will not do it. Austin Matthews will get shut down. So right. that's where I stand on them. Austin Matthews has a goal in six straight games, including a hat trick in one of them. He's got eight goals in the past six games. Um, I got to agree with Joey here. I say it every time we talk about the Maple Leafs. They're a regular season team but they don't come to play come to playoffs. So I'm still waiting for that. We're talking, you're talking about cup contending. I just, I want to have that conversation when they win a first round matchup. Then, then I'll start saying, Oh, maybe, maybe you're right. When, when Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, when they, when they, you know, are playing up against some big matchups in the playoffs and they can't really score. We'll see how many goals they're getting from Andre Kasha, Nick Ritchie, fucking all those guys. Playoffs is a, it's a different scene. I mean, teams know how to shut down, and then they don't. I mean, yeah, their depth is not that great. Then, is there a little bit of salt coming from you there, Joe? Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie. What? Why those two names? <laughs> I mean, uh, Nick Ritchie just got his first goal. I there's really no remorse toward Nick Ritchie. That dude's a muffin. I don't know how he has a job in this league. Um, but uh, Andre Kasha, yeah, that dude sucks. Yeah, I don't know about that. The Maple Leafs depth is better now than it has been in a long time. Spezza and Simmons. Spezza got six games for like a pretty nasty hit. And it's the first time in his career that anybody ever like thought anything negatively about Jason Spezza. He's been like a Lady Bing type of guy for a long time. So the fact that he's like suspended for six games this late in his career is kind of funny. 
But, you know, that fourth line is as good as the Leafs have ever had with Wayne Simmons and um, Spezza. So, you know, I can't agree. Like, if they lose a playoff series to the Panthers in the first round, people are going to say, same old Leafs losing. But, like, the Panthers are good and capable of beating. So are the Lightning. Yeah, but you but can't this just use that excuse. excuse that you have the, to beat to win the cup. Thank you. Yes, like, you can't yes. use that excuse every year. Eventually, you are correct. You have to be the team that, you, yes. that beats you those good You can't I just agree. expect the Leafs to, like, beat Montreal – and then beat like the Senators yeah. or something. They don't they, like, get a pass if it was to yeah. a great team. They don't get yeah. a pass at all if it was to a good Especially team. Especially when they have the record that they have. Exactly. There's I no agree with you guys. I agree with you guys. But this this is the best Maple Leafs team in the Austin Matthews era. I've seen him light up the regular season before. I mean, this dude can drive. And having like President's Trophy capabilities, you've seen that from the Leafs? Yeah, they've won the division in the in his time. No, they have not. It's been the Bruins and the Lightning leading the way this whole time. I think the Habs might have had a one-off year. Are you sure? I don't know. I'm fairly positive they've not won the, they Either way, won they're, the division. They're, I, I will not be scared of the Leafs one bit until they win that playoff series, until they prove to me that given the matchups and playoff intensity and when you got certain guys going up against Austin Matthews and uh, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, is he even like, does he even score that much in the playoffs? Uh, I think his goal Not totals, much. his goal totals do come down a little bit, but doesn't every, doesn't everyone's though? Yes, they do. Uh, except for like, there are some guys who are like playoff guys, like their totals go up like Brian Bickle. Yeah. Like Jeff, but, like, Carter, too. Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter's a great example, but like, remember when Patrick Kane couldn't score a goal to save his life in 2015 and they ended up winning the damn cup. Yeah. Duncan uh, Keith won the Conn Smythe trophy as a defenseman. Because there was no, there was a lot of shutdown for guys like Kane. I think Bickle had another really good playoff that year. But like, you know, they were getting goals from Tara Vinen. And, you know, the Leafs, this Matthew Bunting kid for the Leafs scores all the time. Yeah, you he know, has like seven. Matthew Bunting is in like the Calder conversation. He'll, get, he'll be top 10. So, and like they got good Morgan Riley's having a really good year. Um, you know, they, they got some players there. So, I don't know. I, I hope the Leafs win a playoff series so bad because they're kind of starting to become the new Capitals, where like the Capitals used to get the same kind of comments. Like there were probably Pittsburgh Penguins fans and Philadelphia Flyers fans saying the same thing about the Capitals back in the day as Joey's saying about them right now. And it was true for a long time. And then finally that one year came where it happened. So hopefully the Leafs are able to make some noise this year. I love watching that team play. They're so fun. They stink. They stink. You know who doesn't? Jonathan, Jonathan speaking of Leafs, Jonathan Taves' first goal will come on Saturday along with Marc-Andre Fleury's 500th win. You've heard it here first. Yeah, I don't know about that, Chief. Um, the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights are undisputedly good. Well, the Leafs are undisputedly good too, but the Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights are ex- undisputedly pretty good in the postseason. They haven't won the cup yet with their cores, but they've won a couple playoff series, made some noise, looked like real championship caliber contenders, and they both got off to a slow start this season. I kind of see them as the two teams that went into the season as the two favorites in the Western Conference, and they've kind of had to like go through some adversity to finally get back in it, and they're both playing on fire right now, especially Colorado. Vegas still has some injuries to get through. And they have Jack Eichel just waiting in the wings. And I think he's going to come back and just absolutely light it up playing with that team because they'll be deep down the middle. They have great wings, great defense, and a great goaltender in Robin Leonard. So, Joseph, I ask you, out of those two, who do you think is better 
but do you like both of their chances to be playoff slash championship contenders? All right, you're, this is probably going to surprise you because we all know I'm a big Colorado guy. We all know it. It's like your like, favorite team? Yeah, pr- pretty much. If if I can choose any player not named Connor McDavid and pluck them on my team, it's Kale McCarr. For reasons, for reasons, for, for, I guess you should say defenseman. I'm not going to pass up Nate McKinnon. <laughs> okay, defenseman. If I could take any defenseman and pluck him on my team, That's it would be crazy. Kale, but... It would be Kale McCarr. I think so highly of this guy. He leads this, what does he lead this team in goals? Um, With like 11. But I'm going to say the Vegas Golden Knights. You see, since Max Pacioretty came back from his injury, Mark Stone is there. They have Eichel, like you said, waiting on a shelf, just skating around, recovering his neck. Um, and they have the better goaltending. The Colorado goaltending scares me. They're winning too many games, seven to five, six to five. They're giving up too many goals. I don't even know the two goalies that they're carrying right now. Never heard of them before like this week. It's Right now it's Jonas Johnson and Justice Anunin, Anunin who's played two games. <laughs> I don't know these guys. It's it's worrisome for the Colorado Avalanche because yes, they can score, but the fact that they're giving up as many goals um, and you can't rely on a lot of the guys like we talked about with the Leafs to score as much as they are in the playoffs. Who knows if Nazem Kadri is going to be able to continue putting the puck in the net. We know Nate McKinnon is amazing in the playoffs, but you know, it's, it's a little worrisome over there. Now Vegas, Max Pacioretty in his first, six games he's scored a goal since coming back from either like five goals or six goals in eight games like i can't remember the exact stat he was on a three game goal scoring streak at last i saw um so i don't know i'm I'm giving it to vegas right now i think this team is scary frank well we all know that both teams were too good uh to have too good of players to stay cold for so long um and just wait till jack eichel comes back and adds himself into this Vegas lineup. Vegas is going to be popping off. Um, Colorado has been the better team lately, though. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10. They've been a little more uh, on the hotter side right now. Um, I just – they're both – I would say they're both playoff contenders. I don't think either one would win the Stanley Cup. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun to watch. I'm glad – I like Joey said, Vegas is my second favorite team. Like Colorado would be his second favorite team, so it's it just it's good to see him playing well again. Very interesting. Before I give my opinion, if you guys had to guess who my second favorite team is, who would you guess? The Wild. It's the Boston Bruins. It's the Bruins. It's absolutely the Bruins. Um, I think Vegas is slightly better when they get Eichel. Right now, I would go Colorado. But when they get Eichel back, I think they'll have just the perfect boost going into the postseason. As of right now, December 8th, 2021, I believe that the if I had to pick my Stanley Cup prediction right now, I know we made them before the season. If I had to make my quarter of the season prediction, I have the Florida Panthers beating the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. So that that's where I'm at. I and you know I, I hope the Leafs make a run too. I hope it's one of those three teams, or if the Bruins or Devils can't be involved, or the Hawks. But I just think uh, it's it's a really good team there in Vegas, and I really like the addition. People don't even talk about Petrangelo, like they have a Norris caliber defenseman with a guy like Shea Theodore, who's also very good. Their goaltending with Robin Leonard's awesome. 
I love Wild Bill, Marcia and Riley Smith. I think it's one of the most complete lines in the NHL. It's like a poor man's version of the perfection line in Boston. Like Wild Bill is like that two-way centerman like Bergeron. And then Riley Smith is like a super slick, skilled player like Pasternak. And then Marcia is kind of just like a two-way all-around winger. And that's what Brad Marchand is. Obviously, like I said, it's a poor man version of that line. Like, Every player is worse than the three on the Bruins, but it's the same style of line where you have a little bit of everything and it doesn't shade any one way or the other. And so I really love that line. And it's their second line. You know, they got Stone and Pacioretty playing, you know, stick whatever center you want in there as the top line center. Oh, it might be Jack Eichel. Wow. That's as good of I think that is the best top six in the National Hockey League when Jack Eichel comes back. Outside of maybe, I'm trying to, the Washington has Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. And, you know, when Backstrom's healthy, I think that could be in the conversation as well. But Vegas is, is freaking so sweet. And I, I really hope that they're able to make a deep run in the Western Conference because it's as fun of a place to watch hockey as there is in the whole league. Yeah, and I have the exact numbers for because I'm so – high on Max Pacioretty. I think this dude is awesome. He's going to make Team USA. Uh, in his first six games since returning from injury, and he was out for you know a notable time, he has seven points and four goals in that span, currently on a three-game goal-scoring streak. So, I mean, he is the engine that drives their offense. That's that's what I think. And, yeah, add a guy like Jack Eichel to that mix, dangerous. Yes, I agree on all accounts. Um, the internet was broken last night by the National Hockey League. Anybody who follows this league closely or even sports in general on a moderate level probably saw the goal that Sonny Milano scored for the Anaheim Ducks last night against the Buffalo Sabres. But, you know, Milano, he gets credit for the goal, but the play, of course, is highlighted by the pass from behind the net made by Trevor Zegras. Zegras was so shocked that he was able to make this play where he was instead of doing the Michigan. And for those who don't know, the Michigan is when like you get the puck on your stick, like lacrosse style, and then you put it in the net yourself, like in the top corner, instead of trying to put it in the net himself, Zegris flipped it over the net and Sonny Milano batted it out of midair. And it's one of the most impressive assists I've ever seen in the national hockey league. And we've seen guys like Patrick Kane, Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, like these guys have all been amazing at creating plays for others. But this assist by Zegris might be the prettiest assist I've ever seen. Frank? Yeah, it blew my mind. I mean, I was probably just as shocked as Zegris. It was insane. I I thought I was watching somebody play NHL. Like I could see this being in an NHL video game, like people trying to do that stuff. Like I wouldn't be shocked. I heard it referred to as the alley-oop pass, um, like, in, like in basketball. So I, I, it's just – it's I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> it was sick. I'll go ahead and say it. it was the coolest pass I've ever seen. You know that's exactly what he tried to do. Um, it's rare you see a, a goal where it's like the highlight of it is the pass. Like, yeah, we've seen people bat. And a great play by Sonny Milano to bat that in. That's not easy to do either. The hand-eye coordination, that's – that's something that, you know, not every player like, – it's rare that you see goals score like that. And it usually only comes from some elite player. Uh, but that pass, like, that's one that it's going to take a while for me to see something that I think 
is cooler than that. And the only person I feel bad for on this play is that man right there, Uko Pekalukinen, because what do you do in that situation? How do you defend that? You really can't. And both players got to be on, they have to be on the same page. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They knew this was coming. I don't know what the Buffalo defenders were doing there. Joe, I know that's your boy, Colin Miller. And then Rasmus Dahlin is like over on the other side and they let the forward um, sit there in front of the net like that. I just don't understand what the Buffalo players were doing. I don't know what they thought Zegris was going to do, but Zegris just, he's like, okay, these guys aren't coming at me, but I don't really have much room to skate around. So I'm just going to flip it. And, you know, he talked about after the game, I'm going to play a clip for you guys here in a minute. He talked after the game about how like it has been something that he practiced. And I want to echo Joey's sentiments to, another extreme Sonny Milano deserves half the credit for the play like I said maybe maybe 40% the credit because the assist by Zegris was incredible and when I did my even get that puck on the stick I don't know you next time you're on ice oh I know how hard it's hard to do it on the floor bro it's hard to do it on the floor hell no hell no and the fact that Milano was able to bat it out of the air and save it from being one of those almost highlights. You see Connor McDavid will have an almost highlight every now and then. Obviously, there are plenty where McDavid does end up finishing off. The one against the Rangers and the one against Winnipeg comes to mind where he skated through four defenders and scored. But there have been plenty of those where like he didn't score, and it's like one of those, oh, if that went in, it would be goal of the year candidate. Well, Sonny Milano saved it from having that type of reputation. Oh, if that only would have went in, it would have been a goal of the year candidate. No. Sonny Milano hit it out of midair. He had the hand-eye coordination and the ability to avoid a defender enough to get it into the net on its own like that. It's one of the most impressive goals I've ever seen on both sides. And those of you at home, you'll enjoy hearing this interview he had with my favorite ESPN personality, John Bucci-Gross. Bucci's got a question for you. Bucci. Bucci. Hey, Trevor, look up up here, here, brother. Look up here. Bucci, I saw you in Tim Hortons this morning. I I don't know if you saw me, but I I was going to come say hi to you, but you ran out. Did you see see me smash that Boston cream donut? (laughs) Two Boston cream donuts. (laughs) That was off the record, Trevor. All right, Trevor, so did you ever see that play that you pulled off tonight? Did you see anybody ever try it before? Have you tried it before in practice? An alley-oop pass to Sonny Milano. I've tried it. I tried it a couple times at the National Team Development Program, um, but I've never seen it. Uh, work so I was actually pretty shocked when he uh, when he ended up scoring. Is that the favorite goal you've been a part of? You think in your entire life? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What second? The gold medal goal that uh, uh-huh. I scored at World Juniors was pretty cool too. Not bad. But that was uh, that was definitely an exciting one. Mm. And uh, what's Sonny Milano's best quality as a teammate and line mate? Hand-eye coordination, mm-hmm. and he's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's got. I love seeing Ryan Callahan there too. It just brings me back to like the old days in high school and stuff. Like when Ryan Callahan used to piss me off so much playing for the New York Rangers. And now he's just there like someone I, I love. And Zegris seems like the kind of guy who is just fun to have in the NHL. A buddy of ours texted me yesterday. I'm sure you could guess who it is about like, imagine if this kid played in Toronto or the New York Rangers. And my response to that was fuck that. You want to see the NHL, in my opinion, the NFL, National Football League, has no bad markets, right? Every market is a good market in the NFL. Every team sells out their stadiums. Every team has a shit ton of merch. Every team has a shit ton of social media engagement, even like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans. Those are, you know, sold out. Everyone loves those teams locally. If the NHL wants to become that, a team like Anaheim needs a Trevor Zegers. They had a Getzlaff and a Perry for a long time, and you saw how packed the Honda Center used to be. 
And Orange County is only really going to fill that place if they have superstars like Trevor Zegers leading the way. And Bucci, he kind of set him up for that, Joe. Did you think that Bucci wanted him to answer with that? Huh? <laughs> Did you think... Uh, oh. Uh, something just fell outside. I don't know if it was you, like messing when you were grabbing your head, but I'm like, like, there's a ghost outside. Um, about the Boston cream? No, okay, you just totally weren't paying attention because of the ghost. I heard it too, but I was able to keep my train of thought, unlike you. Um, Bucci asked him what his second favorite goal he ever scored was. Do you think he wanted him to say the gold medal goal because Bucci definitely knew that that was like. That that's still probably the best goal he's ever scored. But no, I just I I don't know if he was looking for that answer. But I mean, yeah, I think I think he was genuinely more curious. Like, hey, is this goal you just scored? Is that the best thing that you've ever been a part of? Yeah, I don't think it is. I think the gold medal goal is probably better. I watched that game against Canada. It was probably my favorite World Juniors game I've ever watched. The U.S. won two nothing. I watched it on a laptop. That's how committed to watching it I was. That like with the thing I was doing, I needed to watch it on a laptop. But it, it's good stuff, and you know I'm happy for Zegris. I must say, Frank and Joe, I was in Michigan over this last weekend, and I had Tim Hortons. I had Timbits, but they were Justin Bieber's like homemade flavors, so they were called Tim Biebs. Timbits are like Munchkins, but for Tim Hortons, and they were called Tim Biebs, and they were fucking incredible. You both would have loved them. So shout out Timmy's. It's my favorite coffee shop on planet Earth. You guys want to come to Chicago? I'm your guy. I'll even I'll come serve the window for a day. And then we'll you could be our sponsor. Tim Hortons, I love you. So shout out Zegers reading Tim Hortons. Frank, your thoughts on the interview and all that. It was hilarious. He seems like such a genuine guy. Some some NHL players are like kind of that dry personality, like they don't smile. This guy just seems electric. I love watching him play. He's just a fantastic athlete, and he's going to bring a lot of excitement to this Anaheim Ducks franchise going forward. Yeah. I want to address a comment I see from Skox about the Mighty Ducks jerseys, I, white I or purple. Gonna... Did they or did they not have an alternate in 2019, the year before COVID, where they, they had a purple and an orange one? Yeah. I don't – The well, they wore the uh, – their reverse retros had that Mighty Duck on But it, it was like a big duck. Like, yeah. It wasn't just the head. Look more like a stadium series. I'm trying to find out if they currently wear their orange. I believe they do an orange Mighty Ducks jersey. Yeah, it's sick. Um, and they, they did have the purple one as well, like recently. Do you that... like their overall jersey catalog, though? I like everything they've ever put out except for those uh, reverse retros, yes. Oh, see, I hate their home in a ways. I can't really? stand them. I oh, would get a Zegris because I don't know if you guys took a peek at my Twitter last night. I tweeted that video of Zegris's goal over a tweet I wrote in 2019 about how every team that passes on him, except for the top four, and the top four were New Jersey, New York, Chicago, and Colorado. I said that every team outside the top four would regret it. And I quote tweeted that tweet with the video of Milano or with Zegers doing what he did. I, so I've been a big fan for a long time, even before he was drafted. I want his jersey. But I don't know which Ducks jersey to get because I think they're home and away are both just so gross. I get the I, I don't know how you think these are gross. The homes? No, the ones that they were just wearing. Yeah, I don't. Oh, the the road jerseys, the white ones. Is that yeah, the ones you're trying to pull up? 
The yeah, what? I don't I don't like Anaheim's jersey catalog at all, other than the throwback stuff. I, I, I don't like the logo. The the Ducks logo to me is I just think they could do so much better with those colors. Yeah, I'm I'm not <laughs> the fan awesome. of those jerseys at all. I don't love these them at all. Are awesome, dude. It's probably Frank, my least doing? favorite team in oh, terms of jerseys in the NHL. If I That's think if crazy. I'm ranking, I think if I'm ranking all 32 teams. Based not just on one jersey, because the Ducks have a couple cool throwbacks. I'm not denying that. But their jersey catalog as a whole, I think I would rank them 32nd. This picture speaks a thousand words, too. Like, like what just happened? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I saw a meme. There was one where they, like, once the hockey hug, like, comes to, a, you know, co- the contact point. Uh, Zegers is still giving him that look, like, of stunned. And Milano's just freaking out excited. And it was captioned when the kid who passes out at the pregame shows up at the bar later. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the kid the kid who passed out pregaming is the one freaking out. He shows up like, yeah. And then, you know, Zegris was the surprised group of friends like, holy crap, you rallied. <laughs> you want to see something even more funny? I, I, I just I saw this. Funny stuff. I just saw this now for the first time as I was like doing this research. Um, take a look at the Anaheim Ducks Twitter. It is their new profile picture <laughs> that is awesome i i love it and yeah. zegris is just he broke the internet because you just saw their <laughs> you just saw their first pinned tweet up there about like the reactions to it and scott van pelt talking about it on his show and zegris like this this goal is gonna be considered one of the great yeah. goals it's rare a, a regular season goal that wasn't a winner that they like they say it the wasn't puck. a milestone yeah, it wasn't a mile. So these guys saved the puck. They're gonna have this puck forever. And you know what's gonna ha- it's gonna happen again. I just think now if Zegers is ever chilling behind the net in Gretzky's office, you'll see defenders clamp in on him so much quicker. Yeah, it's gonna be hard. I'm trying to find like um, I was trying to find like some more of their jerseys to see if recently they've worn because I you know I haven't watched every Ducks game. Sure, but um, uh, I'm into the Ducks though. Those. Oh, I'm big in the Ducks. I want yeah, to we, we both crazy. agree that they're going to stay good. Yes. I think because I, I didn't even write them down for our third period game we're going to play. Um, I think they're just good. You think they're just good? No, like they're good. Like they're going to stay good. It's not a surprise beginning of the season oh, anymore. Yeah. Like we're not two weeks in anymore. Like the Ducks are proving that they can win and win consistently. And that's part of the reason that we think – the Pacific Division is much better. Like the Ducks are a huge reason why the Pacific Division is division is them and the Flames. I didn't think the Flames were going to be as good. No, as neither did I. I thought they'd be okay, but I thought they'd be better than the Ducks. And they're the two best teams, arguably, in the Oil. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Frank, in your opinion, who is the best team in the Western Conference? Um, I think right now it's the Minnesota Wild. They've won seven in a row. Huge win last night. Four to one win against the Oilers. That surprised me because the Oilers are such a good team at home. Um, and the fact that Hartman's playing crazy, Kaprizov's playing uh, crazy. 19 points in his last 10 games. Talbot standing on his head, being a fantastic goalie. So I, I think the only right answer right now is the Minnesota Wild. Joseph? I think it's the Calgary Flames for now. They are, the Calgary Flames, they did lose two straight, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they are the most complete team in that uh, in the Western Conference. 
Who do you think I agree with? Because one of you said it. You agree with Frank. I think Joey. Wow. You're both dumb for thinking that I wouldn't agree with you. I agree with Frankie. I think it is the Minnesota Wild. I'm not dumb. How am I dumb then? Zach Parisi is no longer on the Minnesota Wild, so I don't cheer for them quite as hard as I used to, but they will always hold a special place in my heart because of the memories that I've had watching them with Parisi. And I went to the stadium series game and I rooted for them hard and they smoked the Blackhawks in that game. And so I will always have a special spot in my heart for the Minnesota wild. I don't call them my second favorite team anymore. My number one favorite team will always be the devils. That'll never change, but like, you know, it's the Bruins, but you know, I always love the wild and seeing them be this good is really nice to, you know, watch because Matthew Dumba has been amazing and they get good goaltending and the defense is solid and they're always in the right position. And Kaprizov is one of the best forwards in the league now. And he leads the way offensively. They're getting production from a guy like Victor Rask and Hartman has been incredible. Marcus Felino might be better than Nick Felino. And we always thought he was like second best Felino. Marcus Felino's one of the best forwards on the team. Matt Zuccarello has been extremely productive. Um, you know, that that Minnesota Wild team is so, so, so good. Joel Erickson Eck is one of the best two-way forwards in the NHL now. And kind of – Joel Erickson Eck is a reason for New Jersey Devils fans and Chicago Blackhawks fans to keep faith in their guy. It, it took – Nico Hischier, he's a little bit different. He had, like, a 50-point season, and he's looked really good this season at times. The off, But the offense still could be better. Same thing with Kirby Doc. He had a couple good seasons, you know, but you still think he could be better. Joel Erickson Eck is proof that it will get better if you're patient because he was looking like a big old bust as the 14th overall pick by the Minnesota Wild. And now he's one of the leaders on their team. Like, he got Selkie Trophy votes last season. So, for me, it's absolutely the Minnesota Wild. Uh, real, I won't make it as long, but here's why I think it's the Calgary Flames. You can make it as long. Um, you look at their uh, goaltending: Jacob Markstrom, nine three seven save percentage. Dan Vladar is really developing into an NHL goalie. He's sitting at nine two eight. Uh, both Dan Vladar has got a two ten goals against average, and right now Markstrom's sitting at one eight three with a notable amount of game starts. Frank, you know you have him in fantasy. How many shutouts does he have? If you don't mind. Five. I didn't know off the top. I had five shutouts at this point in the season. As of right now, hit him and maybe like two other guys are, are battling for the Vezina this early in the season. But then you look at their forwards. Johnny Goudreau is getting it done in every way. Lynn Holmes, 26 points. Uh, Kachuk. Mangiapani is leading this team in goals with 17. Uh, and then they have the depth scoring. They're getting goals every couple of games from like guys like Milan Lucic, Dylan Dubé. Um, so I just think the Calgary Flames are the most complete team. And you know what else they've done that the Wild haven't? They shut out the Boston Bruins. So once you do that, you're the best team in the fucking world. Um, I like Calgary. I think Edmonton is better. Um, I, I will always put my faith in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I think that Calgary is probably a deeper team than the Oil. But I, in a playoff series, I don't know who I would pick. It would be very difficult. I think the Calgary Flames are in contention. But I do think by the end of the season, the Vegas Golden Knights and the uh, Colorado Avalanche will insert themselves in this conversation with Minnesota, Calgary, and Edmonton. Those, to me, are the five best teams in the Western Conference by the end of the year. There's a, We just talked about them. Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping next week, two weeks from now, they just keep it up, keep it up. 
I'm hoping that I'm sitting here arguing that the Anaheim Ducks are the best team in the Western Conference. I think it's possible. I'm not taking that out of the possibility. I did mention that the Flames are on a two-game losing streak. We'll see how they bounce back on this homestand they have coming up against uh, Carolina and Boston uh, on Saturday. So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if, if the Anaheim Ducks just keep doing what they're doing and climb their way into the discussion of being the best team in the Western Conference because I'm all for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's... It's an interesting take. I, I think that the Anaheim has the best goalie of all the teams we named. John Gibson is incredible. And it's hard to argue against Markstrom though, right now. Well, yeah, that that's true. And the Calgary Flames might win the Jennings trophy between yeah, Vladar, Vladar mm-hmm. and um Markstrom. So it's a good conversation. The West is definitely a battle. And it's fun to watch. I normally go over the Devils every week. I don't really have much to say about them. They're, they're, they're not playing well at all. Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier have been really good the last couple of games. They're collecting points and stuff. Tomas Tatar started scoring. I, I need to see more for Yegor Sharangovich. Andreas Janssen and Jesper Brett have been great. Dougie Hamilton and Graves have been awesome defensively, but I need more from everybody else. The goaltending with Blackwood has been good, but not good with Bernier. Um Blackwood has hung out to dry on a fair amount of occasions. I think he's a Team Canada level guy and will be there all season long, but they need to play better in front of him. So I really don't have much more on the Devils other than they've been really stinky the last couple of games. And shit's going to start to get real if they lose tonight to the Philadelphia Flyers while wearing their new black jersey for the first time ever. Yeah, um, you have about as much as about the Devils as I have about the Bruins because you know the you look at the standings. The Bruins are six games played behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've only played twenty one games, where the Leafs have played twenty seven. The Red Wings have played twenty six. So you would think, since our last show, oh, they'd have four games at least. I'd be able to talk about some. No, they played two games. Not much ground to make up in terms of the game played games played department. It's going to be a very fun March April when they're playing literally every other day. But we'll worry about that when we get there because uh, last week we had them play the Nashville Predators in Nashville, which was a really, really good game. They shut down Nashville. It was the game after Philip Forsberg's four-goal game, so I was a little worried about that. But Jeremy Swayman came to play. How many saves did he end up having? I know it was a fuck ton. He made 42 saves. First Bruins goalie in franchise history to shut out the Nashville Predators. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, let alone it was a 42 save shutout and then the next day they had a battle with Tampa Bay where Steven Stamkos ended up taking matters into his own hands in overtime they got the point sucks that it was against uh, a division rival where it goes to overtime but that's where we stand on the Boston Bruins getting ready for a three-game road trip that we see almost every team do now where they play the Vancouver Canucks the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames so this will be a tough one but good teams deal with stuff like this Frank, do you have anything to add on the Devils or uh, Bruins? They, they both stink. Well, yeah, the Bruins are out of a playoff spot as of right now, just like the Devils, but the Bruins have only played 21 games. So I think that based off looking at the standings, they're they're right there. I'm not worried about them making the playoffs. I mean, they have plenty of chances to make up some ground. As far as the Devils go, I'm kind of losing uh, hope for them. I, early on, I said they were going to be a bubble team. I don't know. They, they got two wins in their past 10 games. That's not going to cut it. They're going to soon, if they keep losing, like you said, especially tonight, um, they're going to find themselves in kind of what the Blackhawks are, and they're going to have to win more than 500 of their games. They have to go more than win more than 50% of their games that, to make up ground. So I, 
maybe it isn't the devil's year this year. I'm kind of losing a little hope in them, but we'll yeah. see how it goes. That's fair. They're they're not they're not good. I don't think they're bad. I don't no, think they're, they're I don't think they're two and eight like the rest of the season. I think they'll come out of that. But I, I never thought they were a playoff team. They're kind of exactly who I thought they were. A team that'll look hot some weeks, look terrible others. And that doesn't make the playoffs in the National Hockey League. You need to be good almost every every day. And even the games you lose, you need to be in them, you know? So the game against Ottawa was a step in the right direction, but it's Ottawa. We'll see how they play against Philly tonight. They smoked them last time they played them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the only saving grace for the Devils, they haven't quite played 21 games like the Bruins, but they've only played 23, which is at minimum – two games less than basically every team ahead of them besides the Bruins. And they currently are six points out of a playoff spot. So three point, three games behind Detroit for the final wildcard spot, six, uh, six points. That's if those three games in hand are wins, they are tied with Detroit for the last wildcard spot. So the, the only saving grace for them is the fact that they do have some games in hand, but man, if they don't start winning fast, they are going to find themselves in the same position as the Blackhawks. So I agree with you hundred percent. The devil's basically to quote, the one of the funniest um, post game press conferences of all time. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Did you see before we move on? Did you see who was at practice for the Boston Bruins on Monday? Not only was Tuka Rask at practice, but he literally served as like the backup goalie because of some COVID 19 issues. Yeah, it's literally the biggest loophole. That in, in that I've ever seen an NHL team do. He's, Bruce Cassidy and Don Sweeney are pulling some Lou Lamorello shit right now. It is so he's practicing with the team at Warrior Ice Arena in a Bruins jersey. He is an unsigned free agent. I would have never thought it was allowed. He is the emergency backup goalie. Is what he's his the title. E him and him and David Ayers, the the yeah. freaking Zamboni driver for the Leafs, are at the same status right now. I saw some funny stuff. Could you and he and he looks good. You know, Brad Marchand. Well, of talked course, about you're him. gonna say he looks good. Brad Marchand talked about him in, in a in a uh, post practice interview, a presser or whatever about how you know it's just frustrating it's good to see him but it's frustrating every time you shoot on a guy like that in practice so Tuka Rask is back uh expect him to sign any day now uh but I saw some funny stuff imagine like the uh you, you one of your goalies or both your goalies gets hurt and they bring in the emergency backup goalie and it's fucking former Vezina Tuka Rask <laughs> arguably in like the prime of his career <laughs> That's so funny. Tuka Rask is probably one of the five best goalies of the last 20 years. And the Bruins are just using him as their e-bug right now. Yeah. No, he, he is healthy. He's practicing. He's fully practicing, taking full shots. He He's he's back, and he's going to sign with the Boston Bruins. I say any day. I think it's going to be after, uh, like, maybe even the moment it becomes available after the rosters unfreeze. I think they freeze for Christmas. I would expect it literally that day. So that's that's coming from Bruins insider Joey. Would you give up every Christmas present you have coming your way for Tuka Rask to sign? Well, I'm going to get every Christmas present and Tuka Rask. So I, it's that confirmed. I, I, I'm Bruins insider Joey knows for a fact Tuka Rask will sign either before or directly after Christmas. He will play in January and he will play down the stretch. It'll be interesting to see the way they go with uh, Jeremy Swayman, Linus Allmark, and Tuka Rask. Do either of you have something to add on the New York Rangers before we head on over to period number three? I talked about Fox and that great play he made with his stick. I don't know, Frank, if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Kane had a chance to score, and Fox stuck out his stick and made a sweet save. It saved a goal. 
so I uh, it was going in. I thought it was in. For so did I. I thought I think Fox is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. I think he's right there with McAvoy and Makar for the best young defenseman in the league as a whole. I still think Victor Hedman is probably the best defenseman in the NHL right now, but that that title's coming away from him soon. One of those young guys is going to take it soon. If Fox wins the second Norris Trophy in a row, I think he's the leader right now. And it's hard to argue against him. So the New York Rangers at 17-4-3 are very good. And... Best winning percentage in the NHL. Yes. So, and I think Fox and Panarin are the biggest reasons for it. Shesterkin's a very good goalie, but he's hurt right now. Georgiev played okay yesterday against the Hawks. So, see what happens. Throw Chris Kreider in there as well. It's not easy to score 17. No, 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 no. Chris Kreider, he's basically playing his way onto Team USA. And I actually, before the season started, me and you got in like a somewhat heated argument over Team USA's roster because I thought it would be mostly the young guns, the Kachucks, the Hughes, you know, Matthews, Eichel. There are going to be some veterans that make the team, and I do think Pacioretty and Kreider are probably going to be maybe the captain and alternate or two alternate captains if they make Matthews the captain or whatever. I think Fox will be in the mix, but – you know, so certainly there's going to be some some good, solid veteran presence on Team USA, and Crowder will be a letter along the way. Yeah, and not to mention Patrick Kane will most likely have a letter on that. Well, yeah, I don't think uh, Patrick Kane, he kind of fits into, like, both categories where he's, like, a veteran presence, but he's not just making it because of, like, having a solid year this year. Like, Patrick Kane is one of the best American players ever. I yeah. think he, he he's like on par with Matthews and Eichel. He's not making it because of good play right now. Like he's making it because he's Patrick Kane and one of the best players in the world. I would say I would throw Max Pacioretty in there. Oh, I All think right. uh, Max Pacioretty is look at look at when he's healthy, his games, his goals to games. Right, like he is amongst the best. Sure, he's an elite goal scorer. I, I agree. Anything left on the Rangers? Nope. There you go. Let's head on over to period number three. And welcome to period three, where we are going to play a little game. You guys like games? Love games. Love games. I have five teams written down. And we're going to discuss whether or not we think these teams are good or bad. And for one of them specifically, and then of course after that we'll get into our typical end of show type of conversation but the first one that i'm going to lead off with i talked about them earlier in the show as the team most likely to be a st louis blues type of story where they come on strong in the second half win at an 800 percent clip and find their way into the playoffs and maybe make a deep run and i'm going to give my opinion on this first and then i'll let you two go every pick after i'll let you two go first um it's the new york islanders Despite my thoughts on the New York Islanders being that potential St. Louis Blues-like comeback team, I'm going with bad. Because even though I think they're the most likely of all the bottom teams to be that come-up team, I still don't think it's going to happen. I mean, this team is 6, 10, and 5. They're 12 points out of a postseason spot. And I think I would be a hypocrite to say that the Hawks have no chance and say the Islanders do because the Hawks are in a way shorter hole. Um, I think they have more forward depth and I know they have better goaltending. So I think it would be very hypocritical of me 
to pronounce the Blackhawks dead because I do think they're dead and not think the Islanders are dead. I think the Islanders, because of their recent history of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, have the best chance of being a bad team that comes up. But as of right now, I got them as bad. They're done. Frank, you first. Yeah, I got them as bad. I'll, uh, I don't have much to say on them other than they can't win a game at home. They've yet to win in their new arena. I just – I. It would be probably one of the greatest comebacks if they made the playoffs because I would give them like a 0.1% chance to do so. I, I just don't see it at all. I think they're like really bad. Like they will finish where they are near the end of the season. They're not going to move up anymore. Um, if anything, I'll see them move down a little bit more than they already are. But yeah, I, I'm sticking with bad. I agree with both of you. I kept giving them the benefit of the doubt that they were only bad because they had to start their first 13 games on the road. But like Frankie just said, they haven't even won at home yet. And, you know, I don't know if it's because it's a brand new building or, or what. They're not used to it. Maybe it's like a road game to them. Who knows? Um, but they are bad and they are in too deep of a hole to ever climb out of. All right. And we'll move on to our second team that we're going to do this for. And that is the Detroit Red Wings. Joseph, I will start with you. I wish there was like an in the middle, like good or bad, because they're like they're on the brink. We pronounced that as a rule before the show started. For those who don't know, you're sticking with good or bad. And by bad, we mean I think they're going to miss out on the postseason. Good, meaning I think they are going to make it. Yeah, I'm going to say bad. They're relying so heavily on young guys um, that I just don't know are going to be able to keep it up. I don't know if uh, Nadelkovich is going to keep it. He's been great this year so far in net for them, but I just look at some of the teams that are below them, uh, really mainly only the Bruins, um, and then some of those other Eastern Conference teams who would be better than, than them for that wild card spot. So I'm going to say bad. I think they're they're playing good hockey. They have been. Um, they're not playing that elite hockey, but they're not going to be able to continue that, and uh, they will eventually get past and miss the postseason, which is a, a year they're way ahead of schedule, I believe. Frank, I'm gonna go with good. I think they're a, they're a good team. Like if I could be in the middle, I would have been in the middle. But I'm gonna go with good just because they're young, but they've gotten some impressive wins. And the way Nadelkovich has been playing, I don't see him slowing down. To be honest with you, um, just because I've seen them get some pretty impressive wins, they they've not only been winning against bottom feeders, but they've been winning against playoff teams that are in the playoffs right now. So I just, if they could continue to do that and then beat teams that are a lot worse than them, I I don't see them not making the playoffs. So I'm going to say good. All right. I'm going to unfortunately agree with Joey on this because I went into the season thinking the Red Wings were going to take a big step and they have, but if I can only choose good or bad, no in the middle, I think we would all take in the middle if it were allowed, but I'm going to go with bad. They're the only team in the National Hockey League right now sitting in a playoff spot that has a negative goal differential. And it's not like minus one, it's minus 10. So like when they're losing games, they're losing them pretty, pretty well. They're 13, 10 and three with 29 points. They've played more games than the Columbus Blue Jackets, Boston Bruins and New Jersey Devils who all sit behind them. And all three of those teams would pass the Red Wings if they won their games in hand. So I just think that they're a team that is in trouble in terms of that factor. But I think by the end of the year, if they come in, 
eighth place, ninth or te- ninth place, tenth place, or eleventh place in the Eastern Conference this season. I think they will view it as a win. Moritz Sider has been one of the best young defensemen in the NHL, Rookie of the Month. All that jazz. Lucas Raymond is amazing. Everyone likes Philip Zadina, the good goaltending in Nadalkovic. Dylan Larkin has been outstanding. So it's it's a fun team to watch. But by the end of the year, I do think they will be leaning more towards bad than good, but not for long because there will be multiple Stanley Cups in their future. I believe that. Yeah, that's, that's fair to say. And so with Steve Eisman leading the way, especially, he built the Lightning and then left. Like, look at what the Lightning have done. I think the Red Wings are well on their way. But the next team I would like to talk about is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Joe, or we'll start with Frank on this one. Um, I'm going to go with good just for the fact that they've been a great home team. And I think that down the stretch, if they could win a majority of their home games, because everybody knows they play 41 home games, 41 away games. Um, If they could win a majority of their home games and pick up some wins on the road, then they're going to make the playoffs. I just, I just have that gut feeling. Joe. I'm going to agree with Frankie. Um, I'm going to say good. You, you know, they have two games at hand uh, to play over those Detroit Red Wings, and they're three points behind. You can't assume games are those games at hand are one, but you look at like their goal differential, and they're sitting at a flat zero, whereas the Red Wings are minus ten right now. And like Frankie said, they're playing great at home. Their their new captain, the first year Boone Jenner, has been awesome for them. He seems to be scoring a lot of goals. The only issue I have is their top two goaltenders, who you look toward uh, in Merslekins. And Corpus Allo, they have been absolute dog meat. So you want to see some better goaltending out of them too. But I'm going to say with, with the situation that they're in, I think they could potentially be good and uh, and make a push here. I'm going to have to resist both of you here. I'm saying bad. I think the Bruins will end up being in over the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. And I just don't see the Blue Jackets' depth as enough to get it done. Their goaltending has been meh to bad one of those two and neither of them are good so i I would appreciate it if the blue jackets did make the postseason because of everything that happened with kiv lennox over the summer you know my heart still bleeds for their family and i hope everything turns out to be okay i love elvis merzlikens i don't care what his numbers are he's one of the most energetic nhl players we've ever seen especially from a netminder so it would be really cool to see this group get in but as of right now i'm just not seeing it um we'll move on um the los angeles kings started off okay been floundering a little bit lately but they're still within striking distance of the postseason they sit four points behind but they played more games than the colorado avalanche so that's obviously an issue but you know there are how many teams tied ahead of them with 28 points so the colorado avalanche or the san jose sharks sit in the top wild card spot with 29 points the colorado avalanche sit there with 28 But guess what? The Vegas Golden Knights, Winnipeg Jets also have 28. So there's four teams there with 28. So not only would they have to reach 28 points, they'd have to beat tiebreakers and all that with those teams ahead of them. So I'm going to lean towards bad with the Los Angeles Kings to start because I'm going to lead off with this one. And I basically gave you my reasoning. It's not because I think they like are a bad team. I just think their hopes of making the postseason are bad because of the fact that I don't see the depth being able to hold up in order to pass some of those teams ahead of them. I think they are the worst team out of all the teams that have 28 points ahead of them. They only have 24, so it's going to be hard to make up that ground. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with bad. Uh, you look at the teams ahead of them, it's going to be too hard. They're not. I think Vegas is only going to move up. The only team I could really see them catching, I said earlier, is San Jose. But even when you look at the three California teams, I do think the Los Angeles Kings are the worst amongst those three. Um, I, I would say, you know, probably be better to be having this conversation about the San Jose, San Jose Sharks if they're good or bad, because honestly, I don't even know they're. And they're one of the teams that are ahead of them. So I don't know. I, I agree with you, Vin. I just don't think they're going to be able to catch the teams that are ahead of them. So I'm going to say bad. Frank? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys. I'm going to go with bad. Too much ground to make up for a team that I don't think is very good. I think they kind of got off to a hot start. But I, I'm going to say that was a little bit of luck, I think. I, I don't think they're going to continue that. Um and I have a big, yeah, the Kings always have a special place in my heart. I like the Kings, so it, it pains me to say that, but I just, they haven't done anything to impress me lately, so I'm going to say bad. And I would, sure. I would say they're a little bit, ahead, uh, little bit of ahead of schedule as well. You know, you're waiting on a guy like Quentin Byfield to come in and be an impact player in the league. Uh, I think Ayafalo has been great. Adrian Kempe has been great. They're, they're going to be a great young up and coming team, just not yet. For sure. We agree all around on there. I think, is that the first time we unanimously agreed? Mm-hmm. Or no, we unanimously agreed on the Islanders, too. We all said they were bad. Oh, yeah. Um, that leads me to the last one I have written down, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they currently sit in a wild card spot. They have been much better than I think a lot of people prognosticated early in the season. They're right in the mix with the amount of games played as everybody else. So there's no advantage or disadvantage there. Plus seven goal differential with a record of 12, eight and five, 29 standings points and a three point safe space on the postseason line. They're probably not going to catch any of the top three teams in the Metropolitan, I wouldn't think. But I want to know if you guys think good or bad, Frank. I think they're good. I'm going to go with good um, just because the Penguins will always be the Penguins. And I think no matter how bad people think they're going to be, they're always going to over produce on how people are going to, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. They're always going to exceed always, expectations. Yeah. They're always going to exceed expectations. So, I mean, you got, I mean, yeah, I, the Penguins are the Penguins. So they're good. Joe. I agree. They're good. Um, They're good for quite a few reasons. Jake Gensel scores a lot of goals. Um, They got Crosby back. You know, he didn't start the season and then he dealt with COVID. So Crosby missed a lot of time and he's, you know, getting back into the swing of things. He's got 13 points now. Uh, Jeff Carter is just not aging. He, He started off hot. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, but he's been pretty consistent. But for me, I said going into this year, Vinny had them as a playoff team and I kind of shit on him for that. Uh, but then Vinny, he changed his tune. Don't know, make him seem like he stuck with that. The whole thing. He, he changed his tune and he said that the Penguins were not going to be a playoff team. I can find footage of that if I, if I really dig. No, you can't. Uh, yes, I can. Um, no, you can't. And one of the reasons I said that is because I wasn't sure how their goaltending was going to be. And I didn't think Chris Letang was going to have as good of a year as he did last year. Both are wrong. Chris Letang's been awesome. And Tristan Jari, they are one backup away. One mediocre, solid backup away from having like the best duo in the league because Casey DeSmith has just been brutal. But Tristan Jari has made up for it big time. Uh, so I, I would see them as one of the teams who acquire a backup goalie, which is rare. But, you know, take that workload off of Jari a little bit. But, yeah, and then not to mention they're going to get a free Evgeny Malkin any, any moment. I was hoping it would get back to me without either of you mentioning that because I would have just roasted both of you. But Joey saved you, Frank. 
Um, they are one of the teams I could see trading for Mark Andre Fleury. How nice of a reunion would that be if they had Fleury and Jari as a one-two punch ready for the postseason? Once again, I put my faith in the Pittsburgh Penguins and they reward me. They won me an NHL bracket one time. I will always have faith in one of my favorite teams, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Sidney Crosby, he's starting to really get back in the swing of things. Jake Gensel's outstanding. And like you said, once Evgeny Malkin comes back, that Crosby-Malkin duo that we've known for so long playing there, I, I got the Penguins as good. And I I think there's a good chance that not only do they make it to the postseason, they make some noise. They've been disappointing in the postseason the last two seasons. Um, but when you have Crosby and Malkin, it's hard for me to bet against you. I, I don't care if they stay in a wild card spot. I don't think that means they have no chance to – win the cup or anything like that. Like, I don't think they're going to win the cup, but like if they did, I wouldn't be shocked. They're the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're loaded with experience. And in my opinion, Mike Sullivan is the best coach in the national hockey league. If I can fire Lindy Ruff right now and hire any coach in the league to be New Jersey's coach, it would be Mike Sullivan. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. And which is really painful because the devils hired John Hines, which means the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins had to replace him and they replaced him with Mike Sullivan. So the devils just hired one Pittsburgh or Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins head coach too soon. Otherwise they could have had Mike Sullivan, but it is what it is. I got the Penguins as good and I have faith in them for the rest of the season. Very really good. quick. You brought a good point to me. I only wrote down five and we don't need a graphic for it or anything, but if you had to pick for San Jose, good or bad. Joe, you first. Um, I kind of put them almost like mirrored with the Los Angeles Kings, but I'm going to say I'll say bad just because I feel like one of those teams is going to knock them out of that wild card race. Right now, they certainly they currently hold that that top wild card spot just above Colorado. But I mean, with the way Dallas is playing, I think Winnipeg is going to continue to, you know, tighten up their game, especially defensively. Uh, and Vegas Golden Knights, they're only going to get better, Vegas. Frank? I'm going to say good, just because I don't think they're going to drop out of a wild card spot. If they make the playoffs, they'll probably be in the wild card. Um, I don't see them grabbing a division spot, but there's I just don't see there being a world where they don't make the postseason. I'm with Joey. I got him as bad. I'd be shocked if they make the postseason because they've played 26 games, which is four more than Colorado, who's right below them, and they're only one point ahead. And so to me, they've just played so many more games. They're 14-11-1. They have a zero-goal differential, and they're the only team in the postseason spot right now that isn't plus. And there are three teams below them that are also plus, and the Vegas Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs, and I think the team that comes out for them are going to be the San Jose Sharks, and I think Winnipeg is going to crawl their way back in, and the team that comes out for them is the Nashville Predators. So, and then I think that's your playoff field by the end of the season. Obviously, anything could happen. The Winnipeg or the Kings, the Stars, all these teams can make runs, the Hawks even. Uh, anything could change, but that's my prediction. I do not see the Sharks making it to the postseason. I, I think the, the bottom will fall out here soon enough, and by the bottom falling out, I think that means Vegas and Colorado's eventual rise. So that's where I'm at on the Sharks. I agree. Um, that's it for the good or bad segment. That was actually kind of fun. I kind of thought of that at 2 a.m. last night when I was probably a little delirious and should have been sleeping. You guys like little games like that? I like yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, I think we could come up with some some crafty stuff over the next couple of weeks. I like, to... I like more when we uh, like disagree, though. A lot of too much agreeing for me. Well, there were some there that seemed like 
obvious answers. Like, how are any of us going to sit here and say the Islanders like good? Like, even though I do think, I do think if you had, if you look at all the teams that are bottom four in the conference, so Arizona, Vancouver, Chicago, Seattle, Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, New York Islanders, out of those eight teams, who has the best chance to make the playoffs? In my opinion, it's the Islanders. But if I still had to choose good or bad, I'm taking bad. Do you get what I'm saying there? I hear what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, then there are teams that create good debate like San Jose. I adamantly think that they're, like, so screwed. And Frankie's like, no, I actually think they're going to make the playoffs, and I like that. I like games that create stuff like that, and it's not just chalk. So I'll, I'll try to keep coming up st- with stuff like that too. So, And if anybody in the chat wants to hear us debate about anything specifically, I would, I'm all ears. I'll write it down, and I'll keep it going for next week. So all in about it. Frank, I've been waiting for this moment with you. For a long time. Joe, you just sit back and enjoy the fucking the shit here. You want a good debate. This is going to be a great No, debate. there's no debate here. Yeah, because we're on opposite ends right now. Well, oh, oh, about oh, upcoming events maybe. Yeah. But about current events, we're on the same oh, page. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page. And listen, I want you to be right and me to be wrong. Let me make that very clear. I just don't see it. Um, Me and Frankie, this is a hockey show, but we, we like to have a little bit of banter about football as well. And, of course, the college football playoff ranking came out on Sunday after championship week concluded. The Alabama Crimson Tide did defeat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Michigan, after their astonishing win over Ohio State, did end up beating Iowa in the Big Ten championship. And then, of course, the big one. Cincinnati Bearcats beating Houston in order to make it to the college football playoff and be the first group of five school to ever make it into the college football playoff. Notre Dame moves up to number five after Oklahoma State's very disappointing Big 12 championship loss to Baylor. And Ole Miss sitting there at number eight. I love Ole Miss. Not a lot of people know that about me. I'm a huge SEC fan, and I want Ole Miss to be good so bad. So hopefully Arch Manning or something chooses to go there because you know I want that program to succeed. I'm high on Ole Miss. Best baseball jerseys in college baseball as well. But Frank... Alabama moved to number one, and Michigan is sitting there at number two. I would like your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, well, Joey just left there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that Alabama – I didn't think Michigan was going to move up to, to one. Um, Alabama beat the number one team, has only has one loss, so I think it's only right that – they moved up to number one. And then as far as Georgia goes, I'm, I think Michigan's better than Georgia. So I, I think that the standings are the way they should be. I know if you look at the early line, Georgia's minus nine, they're a heavy favorite, but I don't know how I think Michigan's going to blow the wheels off Georgia. See, th- this is where we have some serious disagreement. I think the rankings are right because of the resumes and how the rules work and all that kind of stuff. But Michigan deserves to be two, but I think Georgia's going to kill him. Nah. And, and and I think five through eight would smoke Cincinnati. The no, only team I could see Cincinnati beating is Notre Dame because they already have. God. But, yeah, Cincinnati. The reason I think Alabama is one, you thought about Michigan being number one, they don't want Bama to play Georgia again. No, right. right. They, they, like this, The committee definitely thinks about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think they wanted Michigan playing – 
Cincinnati and the two SEC teams playing each other for a second straight game because that would be chaos. But, you know, Alabama's going to beat Georgia in the national championship probably pretty handedly. And, yeah, I, I just – I see no way that it goes any other way. I can't wait to see Michigan uh, lose to Cincinnati in the championship game. All right, yeah, you're on glue. I, I, um, <laughs> I just – I can't wait to see Nick Saban just cry about his loss over yeah. Cincinnati. Very interesting. I think Baylor, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, I think they would all smoke Cincinnati. But – I do think Cincinnati deserves to be in. They played their schedule the way it should be. Their resume speaks for itself. They have the win over Houston, and they have the win over Notre Dame on their resume. They deserve to be in. There's no doubt about it. And I think that if Alabama wins, it's they're gonna Cincinnati's gonna play them tough. I don't think Alabama's gonna win by forty. You may. I know you're not high on Cincinnati. Um, no, I'm high on Cincinnati for what you're they just are. Too high on Alabama. I think. No, I think Bama wins by maybe fifty. No, see, that's just in no way not going to happen. If they win, it's going to be a close game. This team is going to surprise a lot of people. And I hope that being in the uh, college football playoff, that it shows that there needs some respect on the group of five. Well, I've always thought the group of five deserves more respect. I hate the way it's divided. Like NIU was like 11 at one point, and they were never able to get higher because they just didn't allow them to get higher. And then they went to the Orange Bowl and got smoked by Florida State. And that that's the reason I think Alabama is going to just absolutely dummy Cincinnati is because when the last time a group of five team was as good as Cincinnati, it was NIU. And it was when they had Jordan Lynch and, you know, who was a, one of the best collegiate quarterbacks in the, you know, he was a Heisman finalist. And Jimmy Ward was on their defense, who is – a really good defensive back for the San Francisco 49ers right now. He had a freaking pick six against the bears and uh, Kenny Galladay, who's a star wide receiver. He used to be with the Detroit lions. Now he's with the New York football giants. Like that uh, team at NIU was amazing. And they went to the orange bowl and they played Florida state who was like, you know, probably like, I can't remember what Florida state would have been ranked at that point in time. It was probably like five or six. And they stomped on NIU like they had no business being there. And that's kind of how I see this going this time around. It just seems there being a magical run, though, at Cincinnati. It's just something seems different this year. Listen, I hope you're right. I would love to come. I would love to come on this show and say, Frank, Bama got smoked. Congrats. Good stuff. I'm a group of five fan. I've had season tickets to NIU for like 10 years now. And, you know, I, I just got back from the MAC championship game. It was one of the most fun football games I've ever attended. So you know I love the group of five. I just don't see it. Like with my using my brain, I don't see it. Using my heart, I would love to see it. Do you remember in college basketball when Loyola had that magical run? Yes. It's just some teams just do that. Yeah. And I, and I think this is the the year that Cincinnati is going to go on a run. I, I don't know. They're just I Loyola, know Alabama is the better team. Like I I'm not an idiot. Like in my head, I know Alabama is the better team. Yeah. And that they should win. But there's just something I, I really believe in the Cincinnati team that I think that they have a chance to win. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That that Loyola team, they made it to the Final Four. It's kind of similar to me. They made it to the Final Four. They were like the eight seed or the nine seed that year. So that means to get to the Final Four, they had to beat like a nine seed, a seven seed, and then they they finally play that one seeded Michigan team in the Final Four, and they get blown out. So like to me, it's like I, I hope. I hope they at least make it a good game, but I would be stunned 
if Alabama makes it, but or if Alabama were to lose to them. But I do enjoy the way this college football season went on. There was a little less drama on Sunday that I wanted to be. To me, the final four were chalk. I wrote it on Twitter before that it, you know it's chalk and the order's chalk. They're not going to have the SEC teams play each other. We've seen this movie before. They don't have the conferences play each other. They'll rank them how they have to. Because I do think if Georgia were to not have made it, Michigan would have been one over Alabama. And Cincinnati as the group of five school is staying at four no matter what. Notre Dame would have jumped them without even playing. But I don't know. It's just it's crazy the way it works, and I'm super excited for New Year's Eve. Can't wait. Heck, yeah. And so I want Joey back in here. What's New Year's Eve? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. The two games. Uh, Dork. Like, we got to wait a while for it, but yeah. Um, um, I want to talk about the Pats and the Bills. Mac Brady, he figures out ways to win. But have you ever seen a quarterback win a football game only making three pass attempts? An NFL team? Any team. Yeah, I've seen a college football team. Army. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they they won a game only making three pass attempts? Army doesn't pass really at all. I mean, I bet you, I, get, I guarantee you, you could go look at their game. And there may be one or two games where they have like three pass attempts, but I just don't get it because whether you are the Bills defense or you're playing against Army and you know the team's going to run, I don't know how you don't stop it. That to me, that just doesn't make sense at all. I never understood that. So maybe one of you guys fill me in on why they can't stop it. Joe, you're the Pats guy. I mean, I'm a Pats guy too, but because you can't just assume it's going to be a run every time. I mean, they ran the ball 41 times. I know. But, I mean, it's not till after the game you, you kind of, like, look, sit down and look at, look at that. Going into the fourth quarter, he had only made one pass attempt. Yeah. I mean, if you know the run's going to come, you, you guard the run, and then they pass, and you're like, all right, well. Yeah, you almost got to, like, dare New England yeah. to throw it. And you got to have balls to pass in that amount of wind they had there. That I was going to say. I was going to say. Too. It was so windy. Did you see some of those pregame kicks? Yeah, <laughs> the, Pats, the Pats went for two on the first touchdown of the football game. Yeah. So, so the, go ahead. No, go ahead. If I'm the Bills defense, I'm daring the Patriots to pass. And if they beat me in the passing game, then they deserve to win. They beat me in the passing game. But I'm loading up my defense to guard that run every single time. I agree with you. And, you know, shout out to the Pats. Pat's they, defense, especially. They, they figure out ways to win, man. Like that That's what pisses me off. Watching this game really, really annoyed me because it's like we're watching the Bears ruin Justin Fields and the Patriots do whatever they have to do to put Mac Jones in a position to succeed. And if that's throwing three passes and completing two of them and we win, that's how we'll do it. If it's he has to make 20 pass attempts and throw for 300 yards, we'll do that too. And it just annoys the crap out of me watching them do so. Because if Mac Jones was on the Bears, he would be complete trash. With that offensive line and Matt Nagy scheming, I legitimately think he would be complete trash. And I think if Justin Fields was on the New England Patriots, he would have had games where he throw for 250, 300 yards, use his legs, all that. He's a little more mobile than Mac Jones is, I would say. But it's just annoying to watch on, on all accounts. And Justin Fields was announced healthy today, and he will be starting for the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. Should be fun. Should be fun. Yeah. Should be fun. Frank, you got any other football things before we get into our weekly segment? 
I was just trying to figure out. I was trying to look up some army games to see how often they pass. They very rarely pass. Um, I I believe it. I believe it certainly. And I just don't get it. It just boggles my mind. And they're a good team too. And just you got to know if teams are doing this every game, especially because the Patriots will pass the ball. But when you got a team like Army who just runs the ball almost, I'd say more than ninety-five percent of the time for eleven games straight, you think you would stop it, but they don't. I just don't get it. That makes sense. Joe, do you think Alabama is going to kill Cincinnati? Totally. Who do you got in Michigan versus Georgia? Georgia. Who do you got when Alabama plays Georgia? Georgia. All right. There you have it, folks. (laughs) Bet with Joey in the first two rounds and then completely against them in the national championship. You guys are on blue. And I, with, you'd have a better shot just throwing a dart at a board than listening to those picks I just gave. Because you, that's, you made better picks than Frankie. That's literally what I just did. I, I, don't, I don't even know a single thing. Talking college football with me, I thought of this analogy while you guys were going on, is like talking about Star Wars to someone who's never seen any Star Wars movies. <laughs> I don't know about that. It, 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 it's pretty You can, You know what teams are good in college football in more than like average, Star Wars fans. And the average Joe Schmo knows who Darth Vader is. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't know the story or anything. I don't if know I, the story. If I asked you over the summer this last year, who's the best team in college football, you wouldn't have said Alabama? No, I would have said like LSU or something. I don't fucking know. Clemson? Clemson. I, I agree that Joey Joey's like he just hears the news type of guy. Yes, like, I, I know. Trevor nothing. Lawrence and Joe Burrow were good, so then he just thinks LSU and Clemson are good all the time. Yeah. He's that type of guy. Yeah, they're good, right? No. <laughs> they're they're gonna be soon. They're both think- unranked. LSU is going to be really good next year, I think. I would say someone who's never seen Star Wars might know more about Star Wars than I know about college football. And I'm okay with that. I, he might be right on that. Maybe. Well, so, maybe okay you're watching. You're watching the national championship. And another thing is, someone who hasn't seen any of the Star Wars, they're so stubborn when it comes to watch. They're not going to sit down and watch any of them. It's kind of like me. No, you're less stubborn. You'll you're down for a good party with some good chips and some good dips. He's a Bearcats fan. Yeah, I just can't get into college football. I'm sorry, and I know I'm in the huge, huge, huge sports world minority. I think I might like it better than the. It NFL. makes going on Twitter annoying for me on Saturdays. I don't like going on Twitter on Saturdays because college football ruins it. You're a bot. <laughs> what don't you like about? It? I don't know. Do you, you not like? like... I don't even know if I would like the NFL if I didn't play fantasy. <laughs> wow. I didn't say that. You're out of your mind. You who's the best team in the NFL? My favorite team, or like who no. I think who you think is the best team in the NFL? I think the Arizona Cardinals are the best team in the NFL. Okay, you don't have any of those assholes on your fantasy team, so I don't want to hear no. you. You like Kyler Murray, yeah, I do, and I bet Tom Brady is a top five athlete for you. Yeah, and I think the Bucks are. Like, and if you didn't player. like football, Tom Brady would not be a top five. Athlete okay, okay, I like the NFL. You're right. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, you wouldn't sit there, and I wouldn't get text messages from you about how good Mag Brady is during Monday Night Football or get snaps of you watching the game if you didn't like it. You know what people who don't like things do? Not watch it. i never seen a, a, a team take a knee on a fourth down, by the way. And that's what Bill Bell Because there was me. one second left on the clock. Yeah, I just, I just never seen that. He took the, the delay of game penalty. It was like some genius coaching that I would never think of. Yeah, well, if, if, there sure were two seconds, if there were two seconds on the clock, he wouldn't have done it. He might have, though, because uh, both times when, when Mac took the knee, 
he snapped the ball and moved back and waited a second to drop down. It wasn't an instant. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess. But you don't he want like Mac killed. Jones to get you don't want Mac Jones to get no, killed. No, but either. like he like <laughs> killed an extra two seconds by doing that and I and it was just some genius football. Yeah, that is that, that was when football becomes chess, and that's what I really like. Uh, yeah, I, football is chess. Yeah. And the teams that treat it like chess are better. You know, I think of the Seahawks when they're you know, you need talent, obviously, but the prime Seahawks, the prime Steelers, the Patriots, obviously, the Bucks. So I, I love football, and I can't wait to see what goes on this weekend, especially on Sunday Night Football. The Bears get to get embarrassed on national TV again. Let's go. And with that, I know Frankie will probably have a couple picks. We're going to get into breaking bets. And welcome to Breaking Bets. I'm your host, Vinny Parisi, here with my contestants, the King Bean and Walter White Cheesecake. Boys, take it away with your bets. Joe, you want to go first? I'll go first just because I don't have much on the table today. I'll be honest. Um, I I like to stick to hockey. I'll let Frankie. Frankie's the the pro when it comes to this stuff. He's the most diverse, better I've ever met in my life and I don't want that to change. Um, so I, we'll let him, I'm sure he's got some, some college picks, maybe some, some tennis. I don't know what big tournaments are going on right now, but we'll leave that to him. I just got two NHL picks tonight. One of them. I say this every week, I say this every week, but you got to trust me. There's value on the bees boys. There's value on the bees. They're on the road. Minus one forty-eight. I think that's great value for this Bruins team. Going up against the Vancouver Canucks, we just had a whole new hall of coaches and GM. Uh, so Bruins at minus 148, you got to hammer that. Um, Brad Marchand's return. So uh, I kind of like this comment here from Aldo. Shouldn't Frank have a Jesse Pinkman mask on? Yes, he should. We got to get uh, him to watch Breaking Bad first. Yeah, but here's where the real uh, the real money is in the Colorado Avalanche New York Rangers game. Now, this is high. Frank, you always talk to me about how it's so hard to bet a game over six and a half. And the Leafs games are usually like that. But if you look at the way that the Avalanche have been winning games lately, and even when they lose games, the Avalanche give up a lot of goals. This Rangers team can score, but this Colorado team can score a lot of goals. It's it's one of those matchups where I look at it, and it's going to be a high-scoring game. And at minus 103, I'm taking that over six and a half. So that over, and then the Bruins' money line, to me is two picks that I'm actually very, very confident in. Frank, take it away. Um, so you guys know hockey is my favorite sport by far, by a mile. It's not even close. Um, but I'm not a big, I don't like to do a lot of picks on hockey just because I think it's the hardest sport to bet on. Like by far, like it's not I agree even with close. you. It is very, not very challenging. So I only got one hockey pick and I always want to add a, have a hockey pick just because we are a hockey podcast. So I like to include at least one hockey pick. And there was one game that stood out that has tremendous value. It's the Boston Bruins. I think that line minus 133, that's great value. Vancouver sucks. Um, They're going through a lot of changes right now. The Bruins, I I just think you're getting the Bruins at that price. That's, That's a really good price to have the Bruins at. Yeah, it's that's even better than mine. I said one forty eight. So yeah, yeah I, if it's one thirty three, I'd hammer yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, and then 
I also do a lot of my picks based on research. I think if you do research, you could be a smarter, better instead of just betting blindly. Um, so I got an NBA parlay for you guys. Um, the 76ers tonight play the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. And neither of you guys probably know this because you guys don't follow the NBA a lot. And people who do follow the NBA a lot probably don't even know this. I but, follow the NBA quite a bit. But you might not know this because people who follow it a lot don't even know this. The 76ers are going for their 17th in a row against Charlotte. Um, it is the longest active streak that from a team owning another team in the NBA active right now. Um, did you know that, Vin? You might have. That they had won 16 straight games against Charlotte? Yeah. No, I did not know that. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. So the 76ers... And in my eyes, when you own a team and own it, you own a team. They just beat them the other day in Charlotte. They're minus 240, which is a lot, but that's why I said I got a parlay for you. Uh, the other team is the the Indianapolis Pacers. Um, they're home against the Knicks. The Knicks played last night, and I constantly tell people who ask about picks, I constantly tell people how hard it is to play back-to-back games in the NBA I, the Bulls were a great. They're a great team this year. A couple of weeks ago, they played back to back. They lost. Um, yesterday, uh, the Spurs played back to back in a game that they were. There are people like, why are the Spurs dogs? I'm like, well, they just played the Suns the day before. Spurs lost yesterday. It's hard to play back to back games. Uh, Pacers aren't the best team, but they're minus 205 tonight at home for a reason because the Knicks played last night back to back. It ain't easy, but you pair the two together and you get an over a, a one payout, which is good value anytime you could bet something and get what you bet back you can't be greedy here folks um and then the last one that really stuck out to me and i would say get it in as soon as you can um michigan state's in minnesota tonight in college basketball minnesota opened up at plus seven and a half at home they're undefeated they're they're a great team and in college basketball you ride the home teams more often than you ride the the road teams Opened up at seven and a half. It's down to seven. I would hop on it before it drops even more to six and a half or six. It's minus 113. I think they're giving uh, Minnesota too many points up at home. So I would I would heavily ride whatever you could get them at, even if it goes down to five. Whatever it drops down to, take Minnesota and the points at home against Michigan State. Really interesting. I don't have any to contribute other than the Chicago Bulls are underdogs tonight for some reason against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think that's so funny because the Bulls should be able to smoke Cleveland. So that that's my one pick of the day is taking the Chicago Bulls. I'm seeing so much red. Yeah, the only reason I stayed away from that game was because DeMar DeRozan's out for a second straight game. I don't know what the status of Alex Caruso is. Um, but I, they should win. I mean, they won without – DeMar DeRozan the other night against the Nuggets. That surprised me because the Nuggets were all healthy. So yep. the Bulls have been playing great. Yep. I love the Bulls. I love what they're doing. And that's why I'm probably going to put a little something-something on them tonight and parlay them with the Devils. We'll see what happens. Um, great show. Long show, but good show. Um, outstanding content all around. I enjoyed our game we played. We're going to try and make – you know, we'll try to bring a game to the table every now and then. I think – I think we're ready to bust Frankie in with a guest sometime soon. We got to work on how we're going to do that with the three of us. So it's, it's, it's time for a guest. I think with Frankie, we're pretty well versed and have good chemistry on the show now. Yeah. Um, Brandon Hagel's coming on next week. I penciled him in. So Frank, be ready. 
You have yet to contribute a guest, so I would love to see that happen. Just kidding. I'll I'll bring some bagels on the podcast. Joe, you won't eat a bagel on the podcast. I had a bagel. I would love to see Joe eat a bagel. I love bagels. Especially Joe, get us Brandon Hagel. Do it. All right. All right. Get on that. And, you know, I appreciate everyone for listening. It's been a great week. Um, Very much looking forward tomorrow to Crosstown Crosstalk where we'll have a very special guest. It'll be just me again and, you know, enjoying the day and should have a good time doing some baseball coverage in a time where baseball's kind of dead because there's a lockout. So that's kind of annoying, don't you think? Yeah, and uh, I'll just throw in there real quick while you bring it up. Uh, for the time being, Vin, uh, Crosstown Crosstalk will be hosted solely by Vinny. He'll be, he'll continue to bring on amazing guests every Thursday at 2 p.m. Uh, and he does a phenomenal job. And also, uh, because I won't be on a show tomorrow... I want to give an early, early happy birthday to our host, Vinny Parisi. His birthday is tomorrow, Thursday, December 9th. Uh, so I just want to wish him a happy birthday right now, live on air on Wednesday. So happy birthday, Vin. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to doing this show. Um, you know, it's it's a pleasure to do this show with you guys. And I've been very appreciative of doing all this with you guys during my 26th year of life. So Here's to a better 27. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but I'm excited to keep it going. Hell yeah. Sounds good. And uh, uh, if you want, for people who are watching who like gaming, I'm going to be live tonight showcasing season one of uh, Call of Duty Vanguard. Uh, I know Joey's busy, but if Vinny wants to come on and celebrate with season one, it should be a fun time. So yeah, I just yeah for sure 17 on twitch and you can follow all of us on twitter i'll share frankie's stream and i'll be in and out and having a good time i got the devil's game to cover you can check out devil's pregame live on the let's go devil's podcast network at you know i think it's 5 30 tonight or five o'clock you know just keep up with my twitter to keep up with all that so there's plenty of programming coming from me and frankie tonight and then like i said crosstown crosstalk tomorrow the mike north advantage will be tomorrow morning And, you know, I talk so highly of the Bulls and you could talk about or check out all the great Bulls programming we have on this show. Bulls 101, you know, there's the football stuff with Joe Mandel and the fantasy football goon and all that sort of stuff. So the Barroom Network is the best place on planet Earth to get all your sports and entertainment programming. And, you know, that that show uh, Science Fliction, I think they call it. It's the the nerdy show with the Spider-Man stuff coming out soon. I'm very much looking forward to checking out that. So we're going to have some Spider-Man talk next week on the show. We'll I be, assume we'll be because all giddy. We'll be all giddy. We'll be, we'll be about 20 by, by the time next show starts, we'll be what 28 hours away from watching it. So make sure you check out. Oh, I'll be even more giddy on Crosstown Crosstalk next week, doing it by myself. I might just talk about Spider-Man the whole time. I might just watch the bootleg one before the show in China. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for reals. So make sure you're checking out all this stuff. And for at the King Bean on Twitter, at Joey Parisi on Twitter, I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And thank you for listening. the one that made me move the keys in the first place remember yes, i see your point your imbecility being what it is i should have known to say jesse don't leave the keys in the ignition the entire two days i've wanted to leave them on the counter
bitch!